Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. And today we'll be reviewing James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I want to reiterate the the. It's like the reverse of social network. You got to add the the because apparently they needed to distinguish this somehow and not be confusing at all with 2016's Suicide Squad from David Ayer. So yes, we'll be reviewing the 2021 The Suicide Squad. We'll start with a little icebreaker question before jumping into our spoiler-free review of The Suicide Squad. We'll close out the conversation by jumping into a spoiler-filled analysis discussion of the film. Now, taking a stab at a sequel to a much maligned yet commercially successful DCEU film, would be total suicide without the right squad. The tomatoes are getting thrown at all the car radios <laughs> right now. <laughs> Have we spelled squad uh, the weird fucked up way that they did when they got their tattoos in 2016? S-K-W-A-D. There we go. Thank you. I knew somebody would know. Now, we haven't gotten that far yet, Dalton. That's the post show. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, first up, much like a Captain Boomerang or a Rick Flag, it's only appropriate that... I reunite with one of my former guest co-hosts who joined me for the review of 2016's Suicide Squad on a loosely affiliated podcast. You know, loosely affiliated as in they're connected, but we're not necessarily the same show or series or universe. We're not sure. Dalton Stewart from Good Trash Media, welcome to the Cinematic Schematic. Hey, dude. Uh, this is the first time you've had me on with uh, guests other than me, so I promise to be good. Uh, I don't. I don't know about that. Oh, I don't. I like to think of myself as more of a Joel Kinnaman than a Jai Courtney. You know, of the two you threw out. So I'm just going to try to lean. We we all have a Joel Kinnaman and a Jai Courtney raging inside of us. <laughs> it's true. Uh, how about John Cena? Uh, we'll talk about John. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Dalton, it's a, a pleasure to have you in the studio uh, again. We are all in a the same physical location recording, which is uh, quite the treat tonight. Returning from our. Wonder Woman 1984 review, and also a review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. She now has these reviews in her back pocket, and she's just organically somehow become our resident DCEU reviewer. I'm excited to welcome Chelsea Raderman from Geek Girl Features back to the table. Chelsea, welcome back. Hello. Thanks for having me. One day, maybe like maybe like this fall, we'll, we'll add MCU, and I'll just be your like go-to. Well, when there's MCU movies we're talking about back out again, I'd love to have you on for one of those. We got a whole slate of them coming up. Lastly, the last voice around the table today is we, we really couldn't talk about Z-grade DC villains without a proper comic book scholar to tell us who the hell these people are. So I'm excited to welcome Joshua Unruh, uh, really my partner in crime over at the Animated Discussion podcast, and also from his own website, Pulp Diction Productions, Joshua Unruh. Welcome back to the Cinematic Schematic. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here to talk about a bunch of characters that even James Gunn picked out of a book without really knowing anything about them. I'm I'm down for that. Yeah. I mean, they got they have the bench. That's the beauty of it. Listen. This is why I'm going to shit talk the MCU. They don't have the guts. They got to make like a comedy Modoc show that's not funny before they bring out Modoc instead of making Guy Pierce Modoc like they goddamn well should have. I'd watch Guy Pierce Modoc. Right? A, it's quite Huge a missed opportunity. Anyway, yeah. I'm all about those deep cut villains, and there are some deep cuts. Very deep. So deep. Well, listeners, uh, if you enjoy our conversation today, if you want to support this squad taking on a suicide mission, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast app. Now, with all that said, I would love for you to get to know a little bit more about the interest of the voices around the table. So today's icebreaker question is, if you had the power of Amanda Waller and you could assemble your own suicide squad of 
C-list villains. C is really the high high level, by the way. You can go lower than C-list villains. And these characters are not necessarily limited to DC comic books or comic books. It could be film, video games, novels, whatever. What five characters would be on your team? Dalton, I'm going to kick it to you first, sir. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to make a last minute adjustment and throw on uh, John Lovitz as the critic because uh, I just I think John Lovitz. Uh, I was talking about it this. Stinks. I think uh, I was talking about this with a friend the other day, and I, uh, we think uh, John Lovitz would have been go- good Modoc casting. Um, just love him. Uh, so yeah, we're throwing John Lovitz at the last second. Uh, I've I watched that Modoc yeah, show. Please. I would also watch that Modoc. Yeah. See, there you go. I've got Miss Trunchbull from Matilda. Uh, you need a you need a powerhouse. You need a heavy hitter. That's right. Uh, and she don't fuck about. Uh, who else do I have on here? I've got some weird ones. Oh, I've got Feruza Bulk as uh, Nancy Downs uh, from The Craft. Yeah, you Ooh. do. You gotta have a magic-powered person on your team. You gotta have magic in there somewhere. Absolutely. Uh, I've got uh, the uh, Iron Chef chairman himself, Mark Dacascus, uh as uh, Zero from John Wick 3, uh, the, the John Wick fanboy. At, what am I at, four? Uh, we're at four right now, yes. Uh, and then just the boys, all of them. All of them. They count oh, as one man. pick, right? So so Highlander, uh, <laughs> I, so who, who, I don't, that's the only one I know the name of. Uh, I Hold on, give me a second. Uh, oh, d- wait, do you mean the, the boys? boys? Like, like so it's not Amazon's the, the superheroes. I, yeah, Amazon's Dynamite's the boys. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you can take the comics for the show. I don't, you know, I, I just wanted... Uh, Jeff Bezos just paid me $2,000 to say that, so we're in good shape. Uh, I've actually been getting paid by Jeff to steal Amazon from my friend to keep watching The Expanse. It's weird how, <sighs> that, clever, how that works out. <laughs> clever dog. Uh, anyway, that's five uh, in, in a cheap pick. <laughs> I can't wait to see Jensen Ackles on the boys. I don't know about you guys. Joshua Unruh, I'm going to kick it to you, sir. Who is your Suicide Squad? So I know you opened it up to any and all options across the multiverse of media, but uh, since I was approached on Twitter last week for my own Suicide Squad pick, and we were trying to keep it within the backyard of DC Comics, I, I am going to stay there. That's that's the, the row that I'm going to hoe as your comic book superhero scholar. Uh, so... Here's my first, uh, you want more tomatoes thrown at the radio. If anybody is listening who's a DC fan, I'm probably going to get it for this one. So the leader is the Red Hood because Jason Todd is a fucking supervillain, you guys. I don't care how yeah, much sure. they're trying to I mean, rehab he can, him. He can get it, but oh yeah, but no. also yeah, he's, he's mean. You know why he turned to supervillainy? I think it's because he could get it, but Dick Grayson <laughs> can get it so much more. And Jason's like, I never get to do anything. Or it could be because the writers are like, shit, we have a worthless character. How do we make him relevant again? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first you resurrect him needlessly. Anyway, I do think a villainous version of Batman who will shoot everyone in the face is a good leader for my Suicide Squad. With the Lancer, this is traditional being Rick Flagg. I am following the five-man band, you know, just just to give me some structure, you know, because otherwise so many villains. I needed some structure. So, yeah, so your Lancer's Rick Flagg. He thinks he's the leader, but we all know better. I mean, you know, we've seen both movies, so he's not in charge. Uh, The Brains. The Brains is the calculator who is one of the smartest people in the DC universe who gets the least respect. So I just feel like he's perfect for this this group of people where he's got to be the smart guy and no one's like, who are you again? Is he like Ludacris in the Fast and Furious franchise? Apparently the numbers guy. And that and all and, and you just anytime you need things that require head knowledge, you're like, this is the guy. Here's the calculator. Yeah, that's okay. kind of his just deal. like run the LexCorp accounting department or <laughs> he's a Batman villain. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so he runs uh Wayne Enterprises uh accounting department then. I mean, yeah, they've got a lot of room on their pages. That makes sense. It's true. It's true. I mean, the the, the black bag battering budget alone has to be <laughs> hidden by somebody professional. Come on. <laughs> 
Uh, our muscle in this five-man band would be Sabak. Uh, Sabak is a demonic opposite number villain to Captain Marvel, now Shazam, to Shazam. So that Sabak actually stands for the names of several princes of hell. He's just like a big demon-looking dude who shoots fire out of his hands. And I picked him, first of all, because I needed some muscle. You need a magic person. Uh, and he's a magic guy, uh, loosely, at least. Um, and he's an opposite number villain, which is a favorite thing of mine. Like, he is literally supposed to be the evil version of Captain of Shazam. Uh, I'm very old, so I'm still struggling <laughs> to switch from Captain Marvel to Shazam, so just forgive me. Um yeah, and plus he actually turns back to a normal human uh, because this is a thing you got to get you got to pry these people out of Belrev prison. So he's got to be really powerful, but also weak enough to be stuck in Belrev prison. Here you go. Uh, the heart of my five man band is Signal Man, another Batman villain, another C list or less Batman villain who I described as literally the soft center of the team. He's mostly just going along to get along, but the deal with him is he had a signal gun which can flash lights and influence your emotions and your thought processes. And that's why he's brought along on this mission. Yeah, that's Comics it. Comics is weird, huh? Comics are weird. Comics are super weird. This is why they're so much fun. <laughs> this is the stuff we don't see on the big screen. Uh, and by the way, uh, you did not ask this, but my addendum is the first one to die to prove that it's a Suicide Squad is definitely Jason Todd because we shouldn't have resurrected his ass <laughs> in the first place. Someone's got to go. It's gotta, they got to raise the stakes somehow. Yeah. It's a must. It's a suicide squad. If nobody dies, what are we doing? So I, I can't wait until we get to the end. I'm going to ask the question, whose suicide squad would win the battle of the suicide squads? <laughs> but before we do that, we've got to get the Chelsea Raderman's picks first. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to be mine because I'm going to invoke Earth 33 here and say it's um, Warner Brothers leadership. Um, <laughs> they are they are the suicide squad. Um, so they're going to be one pick because then I'm going to put all my other ones in one other basket and say Poison Ivy because Warner Brothers is too weak to bring her out yet. It's so. true. That's true. We got it's Harley Quinn. I mean, they've got Harley Quinn in the spotlight. It's it's time. It's it's time. Let, we're past time. Let Harley Quinn be gay. Yes, a thousand let percent. Let us have Poison Ivy and let, look, we have to have Poison Ivy and Warner Brothers leadership so she can prove to them <laughs> when she totally wipes the floor with them saving yeah, the world. I like, like this. That's it. That's my that's my that's my squad. Now is Algie Rhythm still in charge of Warner Brothers at this point? I don't. <laughs> no, they got sold. Uh, what? They got sold to Discovery. Don Cheadle got sold to Discovery. Oh man. <laughs> Caleb, thank you for hanging with my very dumb Space Jam gif. <laughs> Guys, yeah. this is another podcast because I didn't have time for this. But Space Jam <laughs> Two, the bad guy played by Don Cheadle, is named Algie Rhythm. It's a good name. Yeah, it is. It's a good movie name. It sure is. Um, Probably well, the best thing in that movie. He but be, we're here to talk about a different, not very good movie. Well, I'm just kidding. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. We're, we're almost there. <laughs> so, so my Suicide Squad. I'm gonna I'm gonna lead up to the leaders. So, I'm gonna start with Pinky from Pinky in the Brain. Right. Nice. So, it's gonna be a, he's gonna be that he's like the uh, the chaotic fast talker. You know, like sort of like um, Tyrese in the Fast and Furious movies. You know, he doesn't actually have any skills, but apparently he talks fast enough. That's literally the whole pitch for him and that whole group. Um, the, the trick is you got to look like Tyrese. That's true. It helps. Man, Pinky's or Pinky. Char Pinky's he's charming. He's cute. Yeah. I can give you a good distraction. Uh, and then for my magic users, we've got Seamus Finnegan from Harry Potter. That's right. No, he's not your A-list. He's not your B-list. He's the guy whose wand always breaks and Just explodes in all the movies. Out. Exactly. Anti-Irish <laughs> propaganda. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> then for my muscle, we're bringing in 
Master Blaster from Thunderdome. Nice. Okay. Oh, great. Wait, wait, you well know, done. You've got to have a big guy in there to, it's to a really execute. Big guy with the little guy on him. <laughs> yeah, love doesn't, it. Doesn't count. count does it counts no. as one pick. That's one pick. Right, I agree. Right. Uh, in terms of my analyst, and I guess he could double as a pilot, Slippy Toad from Star Fox, because <laughs> he is everyone's favorite Star Fox character. But you have to have him to see exactly how much health your bosses have left. If he goes down before you get to the boss, you're, you're flying blind. Who could possibly lead this Suicide Squad except for Justin Hammer, as played by Sam Rockwell from Iron Man 2? He's the captain. He's the leader of the Suicide Squad. A++. I like that I one. give that one. Yeah. Good choice. All right, listeners. So uh, which of our Suicide Squads do you think would win in a fight or at least be able to carry out the most successful mission? You can hit us up on our social media channels on Twitter at The Cinematrop or on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash The Cinematropolis. And you could also email us at The Cinematropolis at gmail.com to let us know. Now, with that said, let's go ahead and jump into our review of The Suicide Squad. Robert Dubois. He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. I'm not joining your suicide squad. We'll see. My court need is coming up. And Miss Waller said maybe you could help me out. You're stretching in my door! Everyone stand down. Miss Waller, I don't- Stand down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures if this mission weren't more important than you could possibly imagine. Are you in or out? Good. Let's meet your team. It's okay, I'm not okay. Each member is chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. I need to feel the raindrops on my head, on my head. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Had to go number two. Good to know. So according to IMDb, the Suicide Squad is described as supervillains, Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Reeve Prison join the super secret, super shady Task Force X as they are dropped off at the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. Now that is how you do an IMDb description because nine times out of ten, they're not half that good. Wow. They nailed it. They nailed it. We got a username on that, that synopsis? Uh, it's the, the one listed at the top. I, I got to check. I'm going to find out. I, I, I look forward to it. Did you, did you write it? No, it wasn't me. God, no. I haven't been active on IMDb since I was uh, in high school, probably. You know, much like this movie, we're really not going to spend that much time talking about 2016's <laughs> The Suicide Squad. I, I personally, much like this film, would like to pretend that movie did not happen. Now, with that said, though, I do want to let our listeners know a little bit about our background with the knowledge of these characters, which I imagine largely for all of us, most of us, except for maybe Joshua and maybe Dalton, <laughs> is 2016's Suicide Squad. What did you think of the first film, Dalton? Uh, well, five years ago we talked about it, and I listened to part of that. And I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I, I'm dumber. Uh, well, I am dumber as well. But I, I was much <laughs> dumber uh, five years ago than I am now. I like to think. Uh, I don't know. I think I was too mean to it. It's not good. I don't. I don't want to, you know, confuse anybody. But. I don't know, it's it's as not good as a lot of stuff, right? Like, it's not any special kind of not good. Uh, it, it doesn't, you know, bear going down in the annals of terrible movies because it is, you know, it's just sort of five music videos stitched together. It's like, yeah, that's most Hollywood movies at this point. It's right? true. Like, basically everything after Shrek is fueled by <laughs> sort of obtuse pop music needle drops. So, I, you know, I, I think I was too mean to it, but at the same time, there's not that many movies that are executive produced by a future Treasury Secretary. That's just kind of, 
know, interesting in sort of the long arc of history sort of way. So I don't know. It's got that going for it. Interesting historical context. In <laughs> 10 years, we'll be studying it because um, I'm sure somehow the plot of the movie will work its way into, you know, some sort of Suicide Squad IRL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Dalton uh, is saying we were, you know, at least in our 2016 review over uh, at Back to the Movies on GoodTrashMedia.com. That will be linked in the show notes, by the way, if you really want to check out our thoughts on that film. Um, Chelsea, I'm going to turn to you, though. What did you think of 2016's Suicide Squad? So I can definitely say I've seen it a few times since then. Um, I know. Ooh, I know. Well, brave. Okay. You're brave. You yeah. guys know I'm a marathoner. It's been well established on my my visits here. Um if I'm going to watch the DC EU, we're watching the whole thing. And at this point, I have to watch it because there's some weird connective tissue that's happening to it. So, but I it ca- does keep reminding me how dreadful it is. Um <laughs> so, but it, it's it's bad in the way that now we know it is because the studio and everything like that. Now I'm t- you know, hashtag release the air's cut. The, the Schneider cut is the superior version. Let me re- let me replace the old Suicide Squad when I when I have my marathons with the the better version, fair. quote unquote. Yeah, let me have it. I recently discovered that he said his original take on Suicide Squad mm-hmm. was a soulful drama, and I want that cut so badly I can hardly stand it. I want to see what that was supposed to be and how they were going to turn what we got back into the soulful drama. I'm desperate to know. I think we can we, we can see the potential. Like it, it is very much the same thing as with BVS. You could see where the studio chopped. Let let me just have I the mean, non-studio version. It's the weirdest thing. The uh extended the ultimate cut of BVS is superior to the theatrical cut and even though it's longer. I know it doesn't make my, it, it, it just it, it flows better, things make more sense. It's weird. Yep. Okay, well Joshua, that leaves you. What did you think of 2016 Suicide Wait, did you even see 2016 Suicide Squad? I did. And in the theater. Hmm. Yeah, it wasn't my finest choice. You know, look, these things happen. It happens. Um, it's terrible. I mean, 2016 Suicide Squad is bad. Uh, legitimately, I mean, perhaps I am not as widely watched as some others, but legitimately one of the worst movies I've ever seen, mostly because it's literally told out of order and they change things in fact or like on screen and then say different things in dialogue like it really just reads like a fifth grade book report tell me what the mission they are trying to accomplish in that movie is i need you to tell me okay hold on stop the enchantress damn okay okay but what one of their sub quests is to go in and apparently save amanda waller Uh right the person who gave them the mission in a totally different office yeah Mm -hmm. i still to this day have not I'd, figured it out. I think she that. also gave the mission before Enchantress went batshit, like full bat, like in public batshit. Chelsea shook her head. I don't Chelsea? remember because yeah. I only yeah. saw it the you one. You are time. currently the Suicide Squad expert. I know. Yeah. This is so shameful. No, no, <laughs> that was not shameful. You, you are. This is why I have you. you on the podcast. Yeah, we um, need we need help forensically yeah. speaking. <laughs> You're the, I think the I... Harley Quinn of the Suicide Squad, oh making people's a- actually show up for it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there was something about. I. I'm pretty sure it was Amanda Waller was like, come save me before this is a thing. And then like, we actually had to go save her because the city's about to collapse. But, but, but see, she assigned it to them in person. So she, her, part of her assignment was, I'm going to go into the city. So you need to come rescue me. There is something in between the start and that point that the studio cut out. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Now here is the somewhat controversial feelings that I have had about Suicide Squad, about Suicide Squad 2016 since I came out of it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's actually one reason that my expectations for this movie were not high for the Suicide Squad, which is everybody's bagging on how bad it is. And don't get me wrong. Suicide Squad is bad. Okay. But it has exactly the same problems that James Gunn's The Guardians of the Galaxy has just turned up two or three notches higher. Mm, I still don't know if I agree, I'd go that far, but I hear, what, I hear, I hear now, what you're saying. Those two or three notches are important. Don't get me wrong. I it's, think you're making some salient points. But I, the problems are the same. People do things because the script wants them to, not sure. for any actual character reason. Sure. Nobody's sure why they're doing anything, including the audience. Things might actually be told out of order. You can't tell in Guardians of the Galaxy because it wasn't that coherent enough to start with. And I'm just going to point out again that James Gunn said in public to other adults that the antagonist in the Guardians of the Galaxy was the dead mom. He's not a good writer. (laughs) That's bad. Okay. That's like how to fail story 101. Dead mom can't be the antagonist. Should have been Oklahoma's very own Lee Pace. Uh, damn straight. That damn straight. I love Lee Pace. Who doesn't? We should have a whole podcast. Well, I was just—I was sort of wanted to like—I—I I, I was kind of vibing with Josh, but it, it didn't—it didn't seem like it was really landing on a receptive ear. So I feel like we needed to pull out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Well, let's step back here. No, this is good because I—I I don't disagree. I, everything you said, I, honestly, I, Joshua, I agree with you about characters doing things that don't one hundred percent make sense. There's a few things that James Gunn does a lot better. The biggest, my biggest problem with Suicide Squad is. As I described, I can't follow the movie. No, the yeah, editing that's was totally so bad. The editing was so bad that, like, I literally, it, when the action scenes occur, I don't know where people are at. I, I don't recall having that issue with Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I actually care about some of the characters, Guardians and the Guardians of the Galaxy versus Suicide Squad. I kind of care about Harley a little bit. I kind of care about Deadshot a little bit. That's about it. So okay, so you care about the raccoon in the tree? Yeah, right. Yeah, they're so fun. two I, characters in one, two characters in the other. You're just proving my point, brother. I, well, I, I feel like at this point we can probably chalk it up to um, superior producers. That's <laughs> well, and, and, and James Gunn's a better. Well, actually, yeah, that's a fair point. It is the producers because I don't think David Ayer's a bad director. I think he's a great director. Mm, great feels like strong <laughs> praise. Good, good director. Yeah, I'll give you good. He's go- okay, okay, he's good at certain things. Yes, I think his tool set is limited. I like him. <laughs> sure. I, I, my my love of training day is like well established. I think my my air bona fides are are good, but so you're ready fine. for the soulful drama version of Suicide Squad? I don't think I need a soulful drama starring people who wear capes. I am going to go ahead and step that back though. I just remembered magicians and vampires also wear capes. So <laughs> we got Logan. That was pretty good. Okay, we're getting off track here. Um, <laughs> oh yes, the famous Western Logan. <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> yeah, that's all of the podcast. We were on that podcast together. Okay. Um, yeah, so Joshua, I don't, uh, I don't think those are invalid points. I like the this is damning with faint praise, considering <laughs> you just spent the last ten minutes proving my points for me. I'm not going to defend. Well, I like Guardians of the Galaxy, but I don't I like. Think, I like it ish. Also, I, but I, I also I don't really like the second one very much, if I'm being honest. So, and I think it has a lot of the same problems as the first film. So I think we're, yes, we're tracking three real. times more daddy issues, which is never going to make anything better. Well, yeah, yeah and I was going to say I, I like too, but that's because I have just a ton of daddy issues. <laughs> so. we, yeah. were, we were, we were also short a zaddy in Guardians of the Galaxy mm. too. There's so many daddy issues. 
So I mean, there could have been. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about all the zaddies we could have gotten. Volume two. That's we're fine. It's. I mean, we we got rid of Lee Pace in the first go. Like, come on. Oh, come it was on. a mistake. Why Anytime you get rid of Lee Pace, it's a bad mistake. Ronan the Accuser has been done wrong twice, <laughs> yeah. and I cannot deal with it. But that's a several other podcasts. You know what? Keep him keep him freed up for like a you know a pushing daisies reboot. They're getting towards the bottom of the. <laughs> As Ronan the Accuser. <laughs> no, it's Lee Pace. <laughs> well, we are getting uh, the pie maker. <laughs> Well, Why can't we do both? Uh, this is my this is my right. one chance. I'm going to tell everyone to go watch Halt and Catch Fire because it's a great show, and Lee Pace is the star, and he's so good in that show. And also, we have the an upcoming Apple TV adaptation of Isaac Asimov's Foundation. I don't know if it's going to be good. It's produced by David Goyer, which tells me it's probably not. But hey, it's got a great cast and it looks cool. So, all that said, though, none of us really like Suicide Squad. Chelsea, it's like a ritual. It's part of the ritual. <laughs> it's part of the ritual. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I have to watch it. It's the self-flagellation that yeah. one must do as a DCEU initiate. <laughs> I have to watch initiate. it to get to the reward that is Birds of Prey. It's true. I, I do, in fact, watch Attack of the Clones on my Star Wars rewatch to get to Revenge of the Sith, which I do enjoy quite a bit. So Counterpoint, you know. Chelsea. Watch Birds of Prey twice. Yep. Yep. Okay. Just throwing You're that right. out there. You are very right. <laughs> now, okay. So, so Joshua, we're going to get into 2021, The Suicide Squad. But with your wealth of comic book knowledge, I would love for you to drop some knowledge on us. Like, firstly, what can you tell us about the Suicide Squad that maybe might be relevant to listeners? And how do you think this, uh, sorry, the first film handled that comic book history? Well, I mean, the first film didn't handle anything well, right? I mean, not one damn thing. So, uh, but at the same time, it gets the basics, you know, correct, Uh it is pretty much what it is on the label and has been since Jump. It's Task Force X. It's the super secret shady government organization that employs supervillains, puts a bomb in their head, et cetera, et cetera. That book had a lot of mileage in the 80s. Like, it had a lot of heat on it. Um, John Ostrander was the writer for it. Um, he did amazing work on it. Yeah, so that's actually the beginning of the sort of rehabilitation of Barbara Gordon is that uh, Kim Yale, John Ostrander's wife, came to him and said, did you see this bullshit that they pulled on Barbara Gordon? over here in the killing joke. And he was like, no, tell me about it. And she said it was a, it was a bad choice and all this stuff. And so her beginnings of Oracle start in suicide squad. Like she ran missions secretly. Like they didn't know who she was. Yeah. Very cool. And you also get kind of, um, a lot of what you would consider to be the core suicide squad members start right from the beginning. Um, not the captain boomerang that wound up in these movies, but, the original, his dad, the first Captain Boomerang, Deadshot is in there because, because uh, really, Deadshot exists in that first movie because Ostrander made him a big deal, you know, in the Suicide Squad comic. So it had a lot of heat on it for 80s DC, which is, that sounds like damning with faint praise. Uh, late 80s DC was coming off a crisis in Infinite Earths. They were doing a pretty solid work with John Byrne's Man of Steel leading into his Superman reboot, uh, Frank Miller. I'm mentioning John Byrne and Frank Miller. Don't actually read anything by these people. They're moral <laughs> monsters. At the time, I did not know. Um, Half the listeners who uh, watch comic book movies and listen to the show just shut it off right there. That's, I'm sorry. I, you can edit that out if you must. But no, seriously, I appreciate the you. You've got, to, you've got to lay it out there. We they talked the about worst. this on the animated discussion. Frank Miller. John Byrne is a misogynistic person who is just mean to everybody just to be mean. And Frank Miller is like just also whatever. Also misogynist. Also raging <laughs> I was, misogynist. I was about to say, whatever yeah. ist or ick or whatever awful, you know, like, like just... Vi- just a big bundle of angry bigotry. That's what Frank Miller is. And um, 
Yeah, but at the time, Batman Year One, Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen is around that time, which is not actually part of the DC universe, but it's still like part of the publishing line. Like they had some real moxie at the time. And uh, and Suicide Squad was really solidly in their like B bench as a book. Um, how much of that made it to the screen the first time? Some, I mean, you know, you all saw it. We just got done talking about it. I enjoyed reading the comic book. And did not enjoy the movie, so so well, of course I we're, I'm I, I'm gonna get your full take on the the film itself, but how would you say the 2021 The Suicide Squad handled the source material better? Well, I mean, for one thing, it didn't that first movie for being so stupid acted like it was really serious, right? Which I, I don't want to make it sound like Ostrander wasn't. He was writing some pretty serious stuff with some real gravitas, but also it was a bunch of weirdos in colorful costumes with bombs in their heads making fun of one another and every now and then getting murdered. Yeah, you it's, know. what if the Justice League were the dirty dozen? It, yeah. it very much, yeah. yeah well, he, he, you know. He kind of got the gist of the premise on that. Probably like but. Teen Titans. Maybe more like what if the Teen Titans <laughs> were the dirty dozen? <laughs> but but he, I, I think what you're, if I'm understanding you right, because I'm curious, because uh, Gunn has like name-checked this dude a bunch in interviews. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. As, like, the new movie gets yeah. the feel a lot closer. Well, like, it sounds like that's what you're saying about his, his run is just like he gets kind of what, on paper, like the the big thrust of this should be. As far as I the think vibe. so. Okay, Absolutely, cool. yeah. The vibe is right. A lot of the details get lost, um, but I mean, at this point, they're details. Why do we that we don't care about? Like, why would we care? You sure, know? sure. Well, in the mainstream audience, you know, except for the very small comic book uh, scholars like yourself, aren't even gonna. It, it's gonna go right over their heads, right? So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody. Well, I don't want to say nobody, but me. A very tiny sliver of the population sat there and went well, that's the right name for the polka dot man, but that's not the right powers. I mean, you know. Who has those powers? Does somebody have those The powers? shooting polka dots yeah. powers? Yeah. Kind of speedball, sort of? Okay, I was just curious. I'm not really like Kinda? versed in DC, especially. Well, the, he's the a Marvel guy. But, okay, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I've got B, and that's about where my, my Marvel <laughs> knowledge stops as far as the tier list. So, listeners, now Joshua has endowed us with lots of Suicide Squad backstory and context here. I feel like I could go back to middle school and get beat up all over again. <laughs> <laughs> um, with that said, let's uh, let's start going around the table to talk about how we felt about 2021, the Suicide Squad. So, Chelsea Radham, I'm actually going to start with you on this one. What did you think of James Gunn's The Suicide Squad? Well, um, I think I was as surprised as James Gunn has said he was about how violent and gory it, it actually ended up being <laughs> um, about like, yeah, we, we, we've seen King Shark in in the trailers ripping the bodies apart. But like, you know, that one's coming. You don't know about the other ones. Um, so it, it did get to kind of to the point where like, I don't consider myself super squeamish, but I was like, I think I'm kind of done with the bodies ripping apart. Like it was it, it was. Um, yeah. That was a lot on that front, but I liked it because I feel like it kept the um, the 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 birds of prey um, Harley's brain kind of vibe going, where like the whole thing is chaos, so we're gonna tell this non-literally and like jump back and forth, and like you just had that vibe, and it was I really like I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Uh, did you did you enjoy the the shock and awe? Uh, without being specific, did you enjoy the the shock and awe that this movie frequently deployed as a tactic to help for laughs most of the time, actually? For laughs, yeah. I mean, you, you got to keep it going, but um, I, I just, I don't know. 
on that one. I mean, you, you, we knew that there was going to be shocks because, I mean, you had this roster of characters. And you're like, there's no way the studio's affording these guys the whole movie. So <laughs> you knew something was happening. But um, I, I think that they, they kept everything going. And I think James Gunn um, w- wants you to be on your toes as you're going, especially into this movie that really doesn't have a lot of narrative like thrust into it. Like, there's not really a story here. Um, so you needed the shocks to keep the movie going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I would I would say that the story is the... The premise that Joshua just described, hey, government has mission for you to do. If you don't do it, your head's going to blow up. And they shorthand the explanation for that because the first movie's already occurred. So they assume that people know enough to get the gist of it in like one or two lines and they just move on. Right. Oh, cool. Joshua, how about you? Well, um, so the gore is really interesting. I, I also wasn't expecting that, but just to use the other people that I live with as bookends. Like my wife is literally to my right. My son's literally to the left. And every time one of those big, awful, gory moments happened on my right, my wife is just like gasping and going, Oh, must we? And my 14 year old is just giggling like a lunatic. Sure. And I was like, correct. Like to both of you, <laughs> you're nailing it. This is, that's what he wants. You know, um, I really enjoyed this. Like, I don't think it's brilliant. I don't think it's the best superhero movie ever although there are parts we will get to it but no i really enjoyed it i enjoyed it enough that i actually watched it twice because uh, i didn't think that my wife would care at all so i watched it with my son um and after i finished it i was like no she liked deadpool (laughs) she will also like this and i watched it again with my (laughs) wife i sat through it twice so i i liked it um it really i really appreciated that it went hard for that superhero aesthetic, or I guess in this case, super villain aesthetic in a really unembarrassed, unabashed way, which is not something we can say for any other superhero movie in the modern era, uh, except maybe Shazam, maybe. maybe. Cause you know, I, I, but they're already screwing that up. We've seen the costume for the new movie and it's <laughs> nonsense, but uh, so I really appreciated that it went hard for that aesthetic. Um, especially with, the big bad at the end, which I'm, you know, push those spoilers off. Hey, surprise, there's a big bad at the end. But what a unexpected, just very superhero-y, comic booky move. Uh, so, no, I had a really good time, um, even, ex- even not expecting much, right? Because, again, my bar is underground because of the first movie and because I, my superhero experiences with James Gunn are not good. They're not great. They're like C, C minus best case. Um but no, I was really impressed. Up to and including, and this is a big one I want to point out, I think he did right by Harley, which I was not expecting because he has never done right by a woman in any movie that I've seen him direct. Fair enough. <laughs> which I grant you is not an exhaustive list. But I mean, just take, we'll, we'll focus in on the the nearest neighbors, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Like, are, are Gamora and Nebula characters? No. They are not. I mean, there aren't very many characters in there, but they honestly feel like they get the even shorter shrift. And so I was really worried, especially coming out of Birds of Prey. Like he did right by Harley. I like all the. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, expecting nothing. A plus plus. There you go. So when the when, when, whenever the expectation is below the floor, I think it would have cleared a higher bar than what the original Suicide Squad and uh, James Gunn's other superhero movies would have given me, but. Yeah, it definitely cleared the bar that I had. <laughs> All right. Well, Dalton Stewart, sir, your thoughts on the Suicide Squad. So much has been said already, and I feel differently about all of it. Uh, 
I, I, it was fun to hear both of your takes on like I don't necessarily the I guess let's just say the gore to talk about violence in this film in general. Uh, it, it was interesting to get two different takes because like I, I am sort of I don't know if I would go as far as say a gore hound, but like I, I'm I'm a sucker for that from just like a, the magic of making movies point of view, right? Like it's interesting to me to hear how you used practical effects and digital effects to rip a dude in half. Like okay, cool, like that's interesting. At the same time, I, I had a real problem with how it's used in this movie. And, you know, I, I like horror as a genre, right? And I, I don't necessarily quibble with horror when it does this kind of thing because that's that's sort of the milieu you're working in. Uh, for whatever reason, both in Guardians 2 and, and in this, James Gunn just, like, doesn't give a shit about death, and it, and it rubbed me the <laughs> wrong way. <laughs> and I, I can't really figure out why, right? Because I, I feel like he's trying to work within mass death being just sort of a, a part of the rubric for how we look at superhero movies now right and and i from that perspective i can see why he's like well it's, you know i'm gonna sort of draw a big line under uh the unspoken truth which is superheroes kill a shitload of people uh and, and I, I think that's kind of an interesting idea but for for whatever reason uh it really like there's there's a sequence in here that i i know people who like it i see why they like it but uh there's we'll just call it a kill competition between Peacemaker and uh, Bloodsport, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Idris Elba and John Cena's characters. And man, I did not like it at all. Rubbed me the wrong way. And like, just sort of in its glibness with depicting mercenaries hired by the American government to go to South America, uh, that just like, I don't know, I, maybe I watch the news too much or read too many books. I don't read any books. Who am I kidding? I listen to too many <laughs> history podcasts. Uh, let's be honest with people. Uh, I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way. Now, that said, uh, I like it. I like the movie by and large. I think it's fine. Uh, one thing, and Chelsea, you touched on this. One thing I, I do like about it, and, and Josh, too, a dip, in a different way you touched on this, I, I like the ways in which Gunn is trying to adapt comic books, right? Uh, in a way that I don't I don't know that the Guardians films necessarily feel like he's trying to do. Like, there, there's a really, the on-screen titles in this I just are, like, cleverly deployed, and that sort of cleverness I think can a little can go a long way sometimes, but it worked for me. Like every time he did it, I was like, that's cute. He found a new way to do it. I liked it this time. I liked it the last, like every single time he, he deployed, I kept waiting for uh, the movie to piss me off with its, its cutesiness and its cleverness. <laughs> and it never did. And I, you know, credit where credit is due. That's like a really hard thing to do tonally is to like keep deploying that sort of too clever by half filmmaking and, and not wearing out its welcome. Um, I, I like everybody in it. You know, as far as like the cast, um, I don't have the actor's name in front of me, but uh, the actor who plays Ratcatcher too, uh, great, loved her. Uh, I mean, really a big part of the reason the movie works. Uh, I like Idris Elba and everything he's ever done. Like he's a pro, he can't miss. Uh, Margot Robbie continues to carry Warner Brothers on her shoulders. Uh, you know, all, all of Facts. these things. Yeah, you've, and you've both kind of alluded to all of this, right? Like it's fine. It works as much as like any tentpole movie works, but. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the 2021 of it all, but uh, Tim Pool movies are starting to like wear on my patience a little bit more than they used to for whatever reason. Uh, but um, you know, once we can kind of take the the cork off the spoilers, I think we can dive into that a little bit more thoroughly. Yes, and we are really staying high level. We're not diving any spoilers. I will say, Dalton, I know exactly which sequence you're talking about, and I would say that typically I would feel the same way. But the movie does a thing. Mm-hmm. Sort of subverts and kind of points out. Sure, yeah. It, it points out. It points out how stupid the thing they just did was. 
And now, yeah, now it's sort of so it's trying to have its cake and eat it too, Bingo. which this movie definitely yeah. does pretty much consistently throughout the, the film. Sure. Because yes, life is totally worthless in these movies. Like people get die by the dozens. We, except, it, except, see, so so that's true. We we see life disposed left and right. But there's a certain character named Ratcatcher who I think represents sure. the opposite side of sure. that, which is saying actually every life matters to a certain mm -hmm. extent. So, which is what I expect from Gunn, right? Like, you know, for all of his, like, brashness and, you know, tweets that got him temporarily canceled by Disney, uh, like, there's a sweet guy in there, right? Like, that that's sort of what I think about when I think about his work, like, troubling content aside. Like, it, it does have a pretty, like, uh, golden heart. Um, and I don't know, this just doesn't have that for me. Like, I, I see him gesturing towards it, Right, like especially with the rat catcher stuff, like all of it. Uh, you know, and you know, cue the daddy issues. Uh, you know, Jim, Jim, we'll, I'll call him Jim. Jim and I seem to have some, uh, <laughs> some sh some shared trauma there because uh, he can't seem to stop talking about dads who drop the ball. Uh, like, and again, I, I like all of that stuff as far as just like trying to get like real pathos in here. But uh, again, like Guardians Two, like speaks to me in a way that it definitely doesn't for you. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't like that. That mismatch doesn't work here, right? Like, there's a similar sequence in Guardians Two that I'm specifically thinking of, where Michael Rooker like murders an entire spaceship, and it's like very comical in, in, in the, way, the way the scene is shot, and it just like makes every like moment of uh, pathos after that just not it feel hollow to me. Oh, hundred percent. No, I know yeah. exactly. That I, had, I felt the yeah. same way. Okay. And cool. this movie sort of does the same thing, okay. and then the one difference. And again, it's it really is a have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, sure. Is the movie sort of acknowledges how stupid and ridiculous that mass murder that just occurred was versus Guardians of the Galaxy Two? You're supposed to be rooting for that guy for the whole movie, and I just felt even though that and you know he kills a whole freight full of really bad pirate people, it just feels icky. You're like that guy just killed what hundred people or more? I don't know. Captain Phillips taught me that pirates are often good people uh, forced into uh, unfortunate situations. Fair enough. Well, and I, I kind of wonder if this this particular sequence was um, James Gunn, Warner Brothers, whoever, um, seeking to intentionally set themselves away from Suicide Squad because mm. the first movie, we we those characters were redemptive. Yeah, sure. Like, mm -hmm. we felt for mm -hmm. them. They, they like, But now this particular sequence, like, we have now illustrated, these people don't care, do not like them. Uh, I really like this as a point, actually. One of the things that uh, Caleb and I talked about when I, I re-listened to our, our talk about it was, like, they're not bad guys. Like, they're all, like, unequivocally heroic uh, and are we are only told that they are bad. Yes. Uh, and I think that's really a point is, yeah, James or, who, you know, presumably him because he keeps talking about all the freedom Warner Brothers gave him. But you're right. I mean, who right. can, who can be is. sure uh, with, with this kind of big production? But you're right. Like, it definitely establishes right up top. Like, these people suck by mm -hmm. and large. So I, I think I mean that, that's kind of winning me back over a little bit. Cause, and Caleb, you're right. Like, I, I, uh, I, I definitely see the ways in which, like, within the text, James is trying to, like, have his cake and eat it too, which eh, whatever your mileage may vary. Uh, <laughs> sure. Viewer listener. Um, I don't know. I, I don't dislike the movie. I'm just, I'm still kind of wrestling with where I'm at on it. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, Dalton, and I, I think that's a fair point. And I, you know, I think I was kind of with Joshua. I mean, I was curious because James Gunn stepping over here. And I mean, he even said months ago, he had ultimate freedom essentially to do mm -hmm. whatever he wanted. It was rated R crazy big budget. I was like, this is going to be interesting, even if it's not good. But sure. my expectation was pretty low, um, especially with the the bad taste, the last film left on my mouth. And I, while I liked Birds of Prey, it certainly wasn't enough to get me hyped to see more necessarily. Although I would watch Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn um, in more movies, absolutely. 
I was pleasantly surprised. Maybe I'm more on the, uh, and, and maybe it's the mood or frame of mind I was watching it. I'm definitely Josh's son on the right side, <laughs> laughing at the the total gore. There's there's several sequences in which yes, death is totally comical. But I also think again, the movie at various points tries to say death is comical. It's funny. It's silly. Humans are silly. Humans killing each other is really stupid for, and it's never for a good reason. While also, sort of elevating the the value of life, and not even just human life, just life in general. Uh, we'll get into that in spoilers, and in a way that I found really moving. And in fact, with without being specific, the quote unquote big bad that we'll talk about in spoilers shows up. I actually, in one line, I felt extremely moved. Like it, at the end, of, towards the end of the film, I was, and I was not expecting to have any sympathy for this thing. So um, it, it's one of those where the movie frequently surprised me outside of the surface level. Ha ha. I can't believe these people are just getting blown up left and right. Or this character showed up. Also, John Cena, having just watched him in Fast 9, where he is terrible and should never try to do anything vaguely dramatic like know. Fast 9, I think he is his best in this film because he has just enough teeth to the performance where you can kind of take him seriously in his role, but also he's pretty much the punchline nine times out of 10 throughout the movie. And it's great every time. I think that works because he is the same guy, regardless of what the scene wants from him. Like the scene wants him to be, you know, somebody that you need to be a little worried about what they're going to do when you're not looking. And then in another scene, he's the punchline He's playing it exactly the same. Like there is no, there is no difference, which I think also speaks to some of that subversion of the scene in particular. Uh, but also I think it runs through this whole movie. I mean, uh, one of my chief and ongoing complaints for the MCU is that it's just military propaganda top to bottom, like, yay, America blow shit up. And that's subverted a lot uh, to, to varying degrees of yeah, success. Yeah, I'm excited to talk, because, yeah, I mean, look, there's DOD receipts to prove what you just said about Marvel, yeah, right? And, yeah, But I think, yeah, I think there's some interesting stuff going on here for better and worse. Yeah, with so with Peacemaker, you have this moment where he is just this straightforward, blunt weapon, and it's hilarious when he's asking if Project Starfish has anything to do with buttholes, but he's the same guy when he's just wandering through a space murdering everybody. Like it's that same blunt, right. straightforward. He's spectacular. I'm at a, it's at B, and God in America told me to go from A to B, and I'm going to go there regardless. He, he just finds like the perfect way to be low status in a scene. Uh, yeah. Just every time, I love it. I don't know. I'm also like annoyed that it's just. Uh, oh God. I was just going to say Dave Bautista, Drax. It's just Drax, though. It's sort of like almost every joke in this okay, movie is drafted. It's at, Drax. But with American jingoism. Okay, but funny. Okay. But well, and that's so like every <laughs> bit in here feels like it's I, I, I like comedy uh, really did not register for me in this. And that might be part of why I was just like the the, the kill gags weren't working for me because I don't think the movie is that funny. Mm. A bag of dicks joke is some real like 2010, uh, you know, Twitter shit. Like it's fine. Like whatever. There are times when the James Gunn of it all rears its head, right? and yeah. the, the and beach just, of dicks is a fine like, example. And again, they're funny, right? Like Elba and Cena are great together. They've got fantastic chemistry. They sell the moment, but like from a just like joke setup punchline point of view, like 
very little of James. G- I, I don't know. I used to think he was funny. Maybe I'm getting older or he's getting boring. But for whatever reason, well, what I, I, I thought, I thought like for example, the the delivery of uh, Peacemaker, and they they because they're always riffing on his name throughout the film mm-hmm. and, and the introductions when they ask him about it. He's like, well, you know, I. I value peace more than anything. I I do anything for it. I'd kill every man, woman, and child I could find if I had to get peace. It's like yeah, I thought that was really funny. Okay, that's really you good. Know? Yeah. And, and and again, going back <laughs> to what that. Josh was saying, that, like the straight face that Cena plays it with, like he totally believes it. You know, it, I mean, it is one of the performances of the movie, and I'm not going to pretend it's not. Yeah, I do. I think, <laughs> I think he's pretty fantastic at this. And, and I just I just want to reiterate this because we we just reviewed Fast Nine earlier this summer, mm. in which I was pumped to see him mm. in a role like that, and they tried too hard to make him a real character. I can't. Deal with this. No, I haven't seen Fast Nine yet. I can't deal with what you're telling me. It's not. It's not because because like they try to give him too much too much real stuff. And you're killing and dreams, Caleb. I, you're killing dreams. I, listen, okay. Uh, so I'm saying, if I is, never see it, F9 and F8 are fantastic. And if I continue to not see them, then they just continue to be good. Don't don't Fair. watch F8. Just just I, don't don't do it. I keep hearing. I I think the John Cena thing is John John Cena. It, got in his career before Jason Statham got to where he wanted, he wanted to be the action comedy hero. And like, that's what spy gave him. And now like, and we have the Meg and everything. John Cena is just early Jason Statham before he got to be the action comedy hero. Mm. I love that. That's good. That's a good comparison. Yeah. 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 That's fun. I I like it. Just like him and Batista are so interesting. Dave Batista. Oh yeah. I was like, just things that they're both good at, presumably because of their, their pro wrestling background, but the, the things that they like, bring to characters separately. Like, Batista has like an innate sadness to him that makes me basically cry every time I look at his face. Like I just, I every performance he gives is just like full of heart. But the thing that they're both doing and they're doing different things is, is that low status thing. Yeah. Maybe it's because they played bad guys in wrestling so much, but they're both just like so good at being physically intimidating and still just like emotionally <laughs> feeling very timid. This is know. a this is a super villain slash superhero movie. Do not discount the ability to play a proper heel. Sure, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. this is like, there's really yeah. only two parts. Yeah. There's face and heel. That's it. Yeah. Everything's pro wrestling. Everything's Shakespeare. Yeah, That's yeah for sure. <laughs> I really enjoyed the movie. The comedy worked for me more than it didn't. And I will say, while James Gunn's maybe not the best storyteller from a narrative perspective, he definitely knows how to write characters in a in a way that's enjoyable, and he knows how to cast the characters and direct those actors to really get the most out of the material. Because even though I don't like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two very much, I enjoy Guardians one enough. It really is the characters, the humor, the camaraderie, the chemistry between the cast. It's fascinating that you see characters in these movies. Um, it's so weird, but uh, I think that's present here uh, as well, and that's definitely the strong suit of the movie. So with all that said, uh, this movie is apparently struggling mightily at the box office for a number of reasons, uh, including COVID-19, Delta Strain, of course. Um, So Okay, look, 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 look. I saw one tweet today that sums it up, and I think it's right. It's struggling at the boss box office. It's struggling at the box office because we could all just stay the hell home and watch it. Right. Like, I know that there are people in this room who love their theater going experience. But right now, come the hell on. I mean, like, I no one's going to do that if they don't have to do that. Okay, okay, okay. So, look, Joshua, you, made, you raised a great point. Who here saw it in a theater? I did. No. You guys watch it on HBO Max? Yeah. It's okay. So Absolutely. I watched it first on Friday on HBO Max, and then I saw it in the theater. Okay, so you, you get best, best of both worlds. Yeah. Uh, I watched it 
like three quarters of the way through in bits and pieces and I, I a similar experience to Josh. And then I had, I had a friend over for dinner and uh, her and her partner were like, yeah, we'd watch that. That sounds like, a, oh, all right. So I, I got to watch it with people, which was nice and like made the movie like a much more pleasant experience than it had been watching by myself. I think that's a real thing actually. It really, no, it, no, it is dude, for sure. It, the audience, the audience reaction and yet, off and of the humor. And yet, and and the end yet is like it only made me more confident that I didn't really like the movie. <laughs> At the end of the like, I liked it fine, like passably, like a, a perfect gentleman six, you know, just like sure. straight across the plate, better than average. But like the the again, but that experience of having people to guffaw with or whatever, yeah, man, it, it just like immediately makes it more watchable. It's too bad that it's too late. I wish I could loan you my cackling fourteen-year-old because it really, oh, it really I was elevated of, I, the material I, I was significantly. One of those. I don't, I don't need that. Thank you. You can, you can hold on to that, Josh. Nope. <laughs> oh no, I think you need a one for this. Experience. Don't put that bad juju on me. No, thank you. <laughs> okay, we're not bringing daddy issues around the table to the table. Okay, guys. That's why I said loan, loan. <laughs> I'd come back and get them later. Uh, so I also attribute to the fact that this movie probably wouldn't have done great without a pandemic because guys, it's a, a $185 million rated R superhero film. Logan wasn't that much. Deadpool was half that cost. I mean, anyway, it's Ash. I, I just think I'm so happy we got this movie. And that's a bunch of the reporting is yeah. one. God. Yeah. yeah so you got to figure marketing on top of that. Oh yeah. yeah. That's double at least. And I'm sure there's some creative accounting going on somewhere. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Yeah. So the big question is, would you guys watch another one? If for some reason, Warner brothers decided to give James Gunn another one. I'd watch again another one. I think I'd watch another one. I, I think I'd watch another one that I knew for a fact felt like this one as opposed mm -hmm. to 2016. Like if there was any question, I got better ways to spend my two hours. Like if Warner Brothers is smart and says, hey, look, we figured it out when they just kept on this road, we'd be good. They figured it out by not giving James Gunn $185 million for a rated R movie. That's how they figured it out. I hate to say it. I don't think we're going to get another one. I, I mean, yeah, between this and Dune, there's a pretty good chance there won't be a Warner Brothers in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> as, as excited as I am uh, to get spice-pilled uh, you know all it. over again. If, uh, if the Lone Ranger and John Carter didn't bankrupt <laughs> Disney, I think we're going to be okay. She raises another great point. And at least they're they're taking artistic risks, you know, on, on Dune and sure. Suicide Squad versus John Carter, which I enjoyed, but also studio... It was Everybody. too Both late. Of if it had come out before Star Wars, maybe. Yeah. Both of those movies deserve better. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's you. Not, none of the three of you are the first people to tell me this either, which is just. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that they're great. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But like, but the, they deserve uh, better. more and more. I keep hearing people be like, "Yeah, those are both okay." Like, there's yeah. there's interesting things going on in this. John Carter had a lot of potential, and The Lone Ranger is about 45 minutes too long. But I will tell you, and it also. Johnny Depp was a massive mistake. However, well, the so set pieces the in that movie. Hammer bandage now. Like, oh, don't, yeah. watch, don't watch the Lone Ranger now. It sucks because Gore Verbinski is the master of giant set pieces, and he does the coolest Western train sequence I've ever seen. It's, Taylor Kitsch is still good, though, right? Like, Oh, and John uh, Carter, yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, Thank yeah, God. yeah. Oh, uh, my, my love of Taylor is well established when, yeah, from when Caleb and I talked about the season, the much maligned season, season two. two of True Detective. Yeah. <laughs> He, they, he was given a raw deal in that one, okay? Uh, just constantly begging the drub for that character. <laughs> All right. Listen, everybody had to find the one thing that was going to get him through True, de true Detective Season 2. There Whatever were, there it were was. things. I have a handful of things, and most of them involve celebrity crushes, unfortunately. <laughs> That's most of them, yes. Yeah. And then random David Lynch tributes throughout. Anyway, that's that's another 
in this other story. So, uh, Dalton, you already said a gentleman's uh, six. I mean, what letter grade would you give the Suicide Squad? I mean, yeah, straight up B plus or C plus B minus. Like, and that's going to depend on. I don't know how much have you had to drink for better or like, right. Like it could go either way. You could have had like a beer and a half and think like get really mad at the movie or you could have three <laughs> glasses of wine and be like, no, I'm kind of on this thing's wavelength again. Like it's totally a dealer's choice situation. Uh, for me, it's landing at C plus, but you know, a couple years from now I go back and revisit it. I could easily see myself being like, Oh, you know, I didn't give that a fair shake. That's pretty okay. But yeah, it's, it, it is fine. It, it is a perfectly adequate superhero movie. All right, I think that's a fair review. Joshua? Yeah, is that the metric? Are we talking like in the broad swath of superhero films? Yeah, yeah, Because absolutely. if we're talking about all movies, there's a curve involved. I mean, honestly. <laughs> okay, okay. Sure, well, so sure, actually, that's a fair point. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think that is a fair point because superhero movies right now, I'm kind of with Dalton. They just keep getting lower. Yeah, no, lower. legitimately. So, they, they don't get better, and Disney Plus is not helping and i mean it's just yeah so as far as like broad swath of superhero movies yeah b b plus for superhero movies uh mostly because it goes hard for the aesthetic in a way that most of the and again that's like really in my wheelhouse like there are idiosyncrasies that i'm bringing to the table i can tell that that javelin costume spoke to you And I, I, I not as much as peacemakers my peacemakers costume is so good yeah all right so <sighs> Did that get you from the from C to C plus? Like, Dude, okay, all right. The f- <laughs> I, without spoiling anything, there's a fight scene reflected in Peacemaker's helmet that might go ahead and pull me to B minus for right now. Yeah, that's okay. That's like one of the more like bravura moments of of filmmaking. That's like, all right, James, you still got it, baby. Yeah. So I mean, if we're yeah, if we're talking superhero movies, it's like B B plus. Honestly, I might. Mm, I gotta think hard about this. I might tick it up to A minus for superhero movies. However, my, and I know exactly who I am on this podcast saying this, my desire to watch superhero movies right now, very low. Sure. Very yeah. low. So the fact that I sat through this one not once but twice, I mean, this is a not inconsequential deal for me. So I might take it up to A-, minus, but I'd have to think hard about it. We're definitely operating in the B to B-plus area of superhero films, though. Right on. All right. Very cool. Joshua, I'm... I'm just thrilled you liked it more than you thought, because at one point, Josh was like, I'm not going to come trash talk this movie on this Um, podcast. Friday morning, I'm texting Caleb going, I'm not going to have time to watch this movie until tomorrow. I want you to know I'm a maybe on the podcast, because if I hate it, I don't need to be that person in public. But then, what, Saturday night, I was you like, text it's me. cool, bro. I'm going to be there. <laughs> I'm going to make it. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm happy that it uh, surpassed your expectations. Chelsea Raderman, what letter grade would you give this film? I, I'm gonna have to go with the 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 rest of the audience. The cinema score of a B, I'm a B. Um, I th- I think there were there were the plot holes that we like we saw in the first one that were just like so glaringly obvious. Um, I it would be an A if this had just been Birds of Prey two. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might get we might get one of those question mark who knows with Warner Brothers anymore. I don't expect just as an aside. I don't. Let's chat about this for a minute, Chelsea. Okay. I don't really you, expect a Birds of Prey two, but I do expect another Harley movie. Just give her a show. At this point, just put her on HBO Max. Okay, but side note, have you seen the cartoon? Oh, I love the cartoon. Right. Well, so keep her off of HBO oh. Max. Let her have movies. We have the animation for... The the H in HBO just stands for Harley. For now. Harley? Well, I can't argue with that. She's never, keeping the lights on. I never <laughs> right. considered that. If HBO doesn't make a version of the logo that's Harleyfied, they're missing a they huge marketing opportunity. Yep. I'm going to give it an A-, if we're thinking in terms of superhero films. I would say... More generally, I would say it's more like a B. I mean, yeah, B, 
I wouldn't go as far as B minus, like if you're comparing it to other like you know non superhero films, uh, because I think much like uh, Joshua, you and, and Dalton, it sounds like to you to a certain extent as well, at least with Studio Temple films, like uh, the interest. No, the interest is I was I was actually trying to grade on like a I was just trying to go across. I wasn't trying to like superhero lock it down, which is part of the C plus of it, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, my as far as Temple interest, yeah, man, just like ever creeping lower. Uh, I, I really thought I was going to talk myself into seeing uh, Kong v. Zilla in IMAX, and that didn't happen. <laughs> I watched that one on HBO Max. Maybe I made a mistake there. Um, yeah, so I, I think this is... Here's, the, here's what I'll say. I think this is the best made movie in the DCEU, followed closely by Shazam, which I also quite liked. But I also probably won't watch again, even though I enjoyed it. This I might watch again. And I, Chelsea, for the Snyder review the Zack Snyder's Justice League I did in fact watch all of his movies up to that point mm-hmm. and I'm good I am officially <laughs> good on I've I've made up my mind so this is the one if I was just looking for something to turn on that's a superhero movie that doesn't feel like a Marvel film that was made in the last 10 years Suicide Squad probably going to be top of the list of things to just turn on and watch so A minus superhero standards but B overall I'd say B overall though right you know on. it's a four out of five star Okay, so uh, what uh, what other films would you guys like to watch alongside of uh, the Suicide Squad? If you're if you're really enjoying the vibe, you're getting the Dirty Dozen. I think Dalton mentioned earlier. Uh, what is another film you would you would pair with the Suicide Squad? Joshua Unruh, I'll toss this one to you first. Wow, do you know what? Um, I've been feeling brand new, warm and fuzzies for Schumacher's Batman films. Yeah, and- they're good. And, Batman uh, Forever is like low key the second or third best Batman movie. I don't think I'm prepared to go that far. You you will be someday. But I have really <laughs> specific Batman needs. Uh, I'll just be, I'll just be honest. Um, yeah, you got to call ahead and pay extra for the. Yeah, I got I got you. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> but but I mean that that kind of like um, just that willingness to accept that these are absurd concepts that we totally. should not be taking seriously on any level except at the broadest metaphorical point, I approve, you know? So I feel like, uh, like Schumacher's Batman movies would be, would be really good in that space alongside Suicide Squad. Maybe almost like a, like Suicide Squad could be a real palate cleanser between a couple of Schumacher movies, since it does have a different, like the, the, the violence and the humor is a little more, um, eighth grade. Whereas the Schumacher humor is a little more, I don't know, fifth grade. I don't mean that it's badly no, written. No, no, that doesn't I sound just backhanded mean that at all. Yeah, yeah. I was actually trying to think. It's like, yeah, that probably feels right. But then the more I thought about, it, I was like, I don't know. There's pretty like advanced like camp taste going on. Well, in no, those. that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I would actually say I would lay any of those kind of one and done spat of '90s superhero films next to Suicide Squad as a good double or triple feature. And I mean that in a positive way. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff from that like weird era before the MCU, totally. Yeah, yeah. your your shadows, your phantoms, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. your rocketeers. Well, look, no one's operating on the level that the rocketeers operating on, but still. Chelsea, what would you watch alongside the Suicide Squad? Well, since clearly my life is a like Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey stan account now, I'm gonna have to go with all of that. <laughs> or, um, you know, just, just dip into Legends of Tomorrow. Give yourself a little. It's 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 the same chaos, but it's a it's a little more wholesome, maybe. You know, okay, I like this pick a lot. Yeah, I, because I do feel like there's a certain CW superhero show feel to the Suicide Squad, but they just, just you crank know, everything up. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I once described uh, to try and get a friend of mine to watch Legends of Tomorrow. I once described it as the worst 
role-playing game group ever because you could just literally hear the the game master like getting frustrated that everybody's wandering off to do their own their own stuff but it is and i, I mean people are definitely going to turn this off after this. it is the best of the Arrowverse shows because it knows what it is i stopped watching only to find out there was a giant pink bear involved in a fight at one point yeah um, yeah i gotta just get back on, get back on, on there. yeah i dug the That's first it. season i gotta get back into it dalton i'm gonna turn it back to you here uh what exactly would you watch alongside suicide squad or, well, sorry the suicide squad you're right the definite article there being very important uh <laughs> chelsea already stole uh and rightfully so birds of prey it's great um, I don't know. Like, give me that. Uh, oh crap! I was gonna sound real smart and know the name of the stunt house that does the John Wick movies uh, and Atomic Blonde and, and uh, Birds of Prey. Eleven. It's it's a bunch of numbers. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the stunt team on that movie it's just like turned in some of like straight up the crispest uh, fight scenes that have ever happened in a, a superhero movie, which is. I know, by and large, one of the worst things about superhero movies is all the fights look like hot turds, yes. uh, which, you know, is unfortunate. It's cool when people fight on screen. It's just like it's cool when people dance on screen. It is like one of the joys of going to the movies. Uh, so, yeah, that, that movie's fantastic. I love all like just visually it looks cool. There's a car chase with roller skates like that's how many movies have that. Uh, outside Not of enough. things Not we've talked. Exactly. Outside <laughs> of things we've talked about already, uh, I guess like. I don't know if if you're really into like this people on a mission, uh, people checkered pasts trying to make good. Go check out uh, Seven Samurai. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. legit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you haven't got it's like again, we were talking about uh, before we we got on the mics. Uh, we we're talking about like long time investments on some of this stuff being just like a hard ask, and so asking you to watch a three hour plus movie that's you know from the fifties and is subtitled, I understand is a big ask, but like wait, wait, wait. This is to the same people who watched Zack Snyder's Justice League though. Yeah, I'm sort of just like at this is sort of the general yeah. I'm sort of picturing I I don't know, somebody listening to this going, there's no way I'm watching anything longer than two hours. You've got to be kidding me. Uh Seven Samurai is great. And and Kurosawa just like gets you there right away uh, and, and taking characters and like really giving them depth and substance in, in like just a scene. It, it, it's really kind of masterful stuff. And when you see it, then you start to see like sort of this interesting coaching tree of uh, action movies going on. And just like every, all of the things that like owe a debt to that film. I think it's great. Uh, if you're interested in like the, the weirder uh, politics of uh, this movie, uh, in case you don't make it to the very end of this podcast, uh, there's another show you could go check out, which is Blowback. Uh, it's a really great podcast series. Just kind of uh, the first season covers uh, sort of uh, the United States involvement in Iraq, both uh, before and after 9-11 uh, and sort of the larger tendrils uh, of that. And the second season is focusing on uh, U.S. involvement in uh Cuba specifically, but sort of South America and the Caribbean more broadly. Uh, so if that aspect of this movie made you go, huh, I, I wonder about that. Well, I, unfortunately, it's uh, my great misfortune to tell you that everything that happened to the Suicide Squad is true, except for the the giant monsters. Uh, other than that, pretty much everything happened. Oh no, there's a giant monster in all those stories too. Well, <laughs> there is a great beast that we shall talk about, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, Blowback's really good. Uh, it's it's just kind of it's fun. I mean, it is as fun as something like this can be. But I know it sounds like I'm giving you homework, but it, it's it, it's fun. It's a fun listen. You know, production values are good, jokes are had, but you get a lot of I don't human depth on the the people involved in making some pretty I don't know, diabolical decisions. Decisions still feels like putting it mildly, but uh, it's interesting stuff. Check it out. We don't get enough recommendations like that uh, mm-hmm. on the Cinemax schematic, so I appreciate that, Dalton. No problem. I'm gonna throw out if you want to sort of hone in on the idea of a bunch of misfits banding together to overcome 
what seems like an unstoppable evil, I am going to recommend Robert Rodriguez's 1998 masterpiece, The Faculty, starring baby Elijah Wood and Josh Hartnett. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. it's one of my favorite sci-fi wow. movies that like nobody's seen. Clea Duvall herself. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, man. Good uh, movie. It's great. It's a great movie. And, uh, you know, it's it's one thing that we, we, we sort of touched on a little bit, but James Gunn really understands how to elevate like those DC list characters that most people don't really care about that much. And this is a movie about those kids in high school. So with that said, uh, if you do not want to hear any spoilers for the Suicide Squad, go ahead and tune out now. So that's it. What, we some kind of Suicide Squad? Okay, so one thing that sets this film apart from the first movie, for example, is its willingness to, to kill off the main characters. Now, Dalton will remember that uh, my good friend uh, Kenneth Kembraugh, Dr. Comics, made the joke that uh, if you're a person of color, you're, you're going to die immediately with no backstory, as was true in the first Suicide Squad. Justice for Adam Beach. Exactly. <laughs> See, this movie doesn't, it, it, does, it, it, it kills main characters. So, so Captain Boomerang, who was a main character in the first movie, shows up. Played by Jai Courtney, and honestly, he was one of the better parts of the first movie, uh, the comedic relief anyway. Yeah, he works in that movie. Works mo more like, than most things. In as much as anything works in this movie, that movie, yeah. I'll give you that. Well, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. only thing I've ever liked, but more, it's the only thing I've ever loved Jai Courtney in, which was it's true. a weird experience to have. It's true. I'm, I'm right there with Still you. Still like him in this, too. <laughs> I do, too. And uh, much to my chagrin, they killed him off in the first 10 minutes of the movie, along with, like, half the cast. Uh, so, anyway, I just, uh, I, th I thought the opening sequence was incredible. Uh, the shock and awe, I knew most of those people were going to die pretty quickly, but I mean, starting with the weasel guy in the water, I, I, I don't know about you guys. It's just so it, ignominious, I, right? I, I was hurting at how it's hard just I was so laughing. government bureaucracy, too. Like, did anybody check to see if weasel could swim? And they all just look at each other. No one says anything. The That is maybe my, like, favorite recurring gag in the entire movie is just, like, all the, the like, things that somebody definitely should have checked on. Yeah. Ugh, love that. that. That gag worked for me. I know there I was kind of... could have been an entire Suicide Squad movie that was just the people at headquarters half-assing their job. Much more interested in that movie, Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Well, I want to see it play out in the field when they're just yeah. like, oh... He's afraid of this thing that we knew he was going to have to fight. This is great. I mean, Steve Ag was uh, a ton of fun there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, so, I, I mean, I say that, that to say this movie immediately establishes that, yeah, like anyone's fair game. And I know James Gunn had said that months ago, again, with the creative freedom thing. They even said he could allegedly said he could also kill Harley, which Bull I knew, we knew. Shit. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. Right, no. right, right. <laughs> So I wasn't expecting her to die, but I mean, hey, Rick Flagg bit the bullet, and I actually, oh, again, I didn't mention this in my review, I thought uh, Rick Flagg was actually pretty compelling in this movie, especially like as a foil to Peacemaker. It was, a lot, it, was, it was some good stuff. I liked how many accents Joel Kinnaman had for him this time. It's <laughs> <laughs> true, though. He couldn't pick just one, and I think that that's okay. Listen, I am all about men with slippery accents. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that we needed to know about your love life, Caleb, but... Uh, I'm, I'm just going to say that um, H Warner Brothers has now removed my second reason for going to see this movie. Like, I went for Harley, but like, I was also there for Rick Flagg. He's they, gone. Like, I went for Joel gone. Kinnaman. I, okay, cool. See, I knew there's other people like Joel Kinnaman out there. No, I like Joel we Kinnaman exist. as well. That's yes. true. He just doesn't, he doesn't get roles that suit him enough. Do you know he was in Safe House? Because I had totally forgotten. I forgot Safe House was a movie. <laughs> Safe House is a movie that happened, it turns out. Anyway, sorry, I was just Unexpected. thinking about Joel. Yeah, he's great in it. Joel Kinnaman has like a really weird and terse conversation with Ryan Reynolds before trying to kill him. It's great. 
Okay, okay, so so Dalton, I want to turn it back to you here because we had this lengthy discussion in the spoiler-free section when we were talking around this idea, and this is where Peacemaker, um, it was, is it Peacemaker and uh, Death... Sure Bloodsport. Bloodsport, thank right. you. Not Deadpool, not Deadshot. No. Although Loki could have just done a find and replace between Deadshot <laughs> and Bloodsport. Well, th- I think they like that was by design, right? Like, so they they wanted to keep the option of Will deciding last minute he would be in it, versus like, do we replace Will or leave the door open? Which, as my understanding was, yes. like, that was that was how that choice was made. Well, yes. thank right. God it went this way. I agree. Idris Elba is an upgrade I, because I, I love Will Smith, but he. J- I really, I really, I really like him in Suicide Squad 2016, um, and, and I kind of <laughs> like him in. in in there, but yeah. he's not actually able to do the job they want him to do. Like he's just too affable. He's just too it's, nice a guy. I, I don't. Yeah, it's the scuzziest he's gotten to be in decades, though. Which it's I true. Really oh, yeah, like. yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Like he is just sort of like his his star persona shines too bright. I think is is that what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I it's just there's point. too much Will Smith yeah, in sure. this dead shot. Sure. You know, and that's not even well down to the whole the, the, the father daughter thing. Right. Talking you know. about the '90s bulls. I mean, that's that's great. That's the Will Smith <laughs> stuff for sure. <laughs> Well, I, I say this to say, uh, Bloodsport mm. and uh, Peacemaker have this like sort of killing spree early in the movie where they're they're competing with who can kill the best. Sure, and I totally hear what you're saying. And I hadn't even made the connection to the the scene from Guardians of the Galaxy mm. Two, mm-hmm. where because I remember being actually kind of upset by that scene where they basically kill for comedic effect the same way. The difference here being that. Immediately, we find out that they were killing the freedom fighters, and they're all like, "You freaking idiots! You just kill all the good guys. You didn't. You were shooting first and not asking questions." Now, whether or not that really justifies the the murdering spree for a comedic beat, I think is sort of up to each person to determine. For me, it kind of worked a little bit, especially because as many people die in this movie, I do feel like there's a really strong undercurrent, like I said in the review section, of James Gunn saying that life is important. Every life down to the smallest rat has meaning and value. And I, which is again, bizarre in a movie in which, you know, hundreds of people die. At what per, per, per it, hour. Well, honestly, most of a city drops dead by the end of it. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. the body count is astronomical. If you put any thought into it at all. Um, and yet I think, I don't know that the comedy of that scene worked for me so well as much as I really enjoyed the subversion. Because again, one I mentioned earlier, one of the things that's just exhausting me about the MCU is how much military propaganda it is top to bottom constantly. And the only thing more exhausting than that is the people that insist it's not military propaganda. It's like, all right, I mean, if you're just going to watch like you're dead, fine. They're credited in the movie, it, the credits, the, the military. Yeah. There's receipts. Yeah. Yes. People are frustrating. But there was a lot of of subversion of that sure. here, where where you had uh, Peacemaker so clearly the the obvious like stand in for post 9-11 America that like I was talking about before, it's like, here's A, there's B. America told me to go and I'm going to go and I don't care who gets in the way. And he's just so straightforward about it. Um, and I actually, I actually had a conversation, a short conversation with my wife about the scene very early when he says to Bloodsport, uh, well, at least I don't kill people for money. And I was like, that makes you a fucking sap because Bloodsport got paid really well for killing people. Uh, Flag is being paid mediocre for killing people and you're just doing it for free. That makes you crazy and a sucker, you know, but like all that kind of stuff is built in but they don't necessarily like shine a bright light on it. And I, I think that maybe the place where I, I appreciated all those subversions, but if it falls apart for me, it's that, um, I don't know. They don't like, 
just land them. At, like, I want to have my nose rubbed in it a little bit. Yeah, Caleb's got a question coming up that I, I think, like, will, will give us a chance to talk about this movie's politics a little bit more explicitly, because I do think they're interesting. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you that they're they're trying something. And, I, Caleb, I think you're right. You, like, you don't cast uh, Lisa Braga, a, a very good actor, uh, in as the leader of the, your freedom fighters if you don't want people to empathize with them, right? Mm -hmm. But you should also probably give the character that represents that group of people something to do in your movie. One, if you're going to cast an actor that good, but two, if you like actually are trying to endear sympathy or like make people think for a second about like all the people that just got murdered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, the, the one that really rubbed me, I didn't want to talk about it because I know we were being shy about the, the A-team getting absolutely murked at the beginning <laughs> of this movie. That was the one that rubbed me the wrong way more weirdly. And maybe mm. it was the use of a was it John John Carroll band. I've got I know the song is People Who Died. Uh, Tim Carroll band. Uh, that's a song that I really like uh, that makes me cry when I hear it because it is just a list of people that the band knew that died mm. uh, and how they died. Uh, and a lot of those are self checkouts. And that's like way less glib than, than, than the scenes that it's put under over, mm -hmm. right? It's fascinatingly on the nose in the wrong way. Exactly. Well, and that's like... It's all, it's it's almost so darkly humorous because it, that it, it takes away from the meaning of the song. Yeah, I don't know. And I kept going back and forth, right? Because like I love when a movie makes you look at dead bodies. Uh, I think it's... <laughs> I know that's gross, but like I, when a movie goes, all right, you had your fun shootout, but look at like what happened. Uh, I love that stuff, even if it is like a little... Uh, moralizing, you know, rubbing your nose in a little bit, as you said, like, I, I like it. You know, I think it's important to remind people, like, violence is a real thing that actually happens in the real world, and, like, the more we try to pretend movie violence is real violence, and, like, we don't reckon with real violence. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be a moral scold or anything, right? Like, I, I like a lot of dumb and probably potentially, like, morally dubious stuff, but, like, there, there's We don't reckon with how many people Christopher Nolan's Batman kills. There's not even, like, blood sure, or gore, sure. you know, yeah, for example. Good, good example. A uh, great example, honestly. And, again, I see what Gunn's going for, right? Like, we see graphically what happened to all of these other members of the Suicide Squad. But it's, you know, it's the boomerang, like, sticking out of the rubble. Like, it's it's funny. They're funny images. Pete Davidson's caved-in face, like, is gross. But, like, you immediately think about the quickness of that death on screen, right? Like, I, all of those land more silly than serious, especially, you know, Mike Rooker's Head Blood is the uh, the opening titles, right? Like, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but weirdly, and maybe, again, as, as Josh said, it's the song choice, but that, like, it re and it, it, I'm glad I watched the movie a second time because it did kind of soften me a little bit. But it, it was that going in that really kind of hard my heart to this movie. And I was just like, I don't I don't think I care about what you're doing. And so when we get to the the kill contest, I like double down right away. Mm -hmm. And so, again, going through a second time, kind of knowing a little bit more about where the movie was going. It's like, OK, I'm, I'm giving this like a fair shake. But, yeah, it, it uh, I don't know that I will have an answer for you in years from now. But like, it's definitely something that I've been thinking about constantly since I watched this movie. Right, which is more than you can say for most of the MCU films. Ooh. I mean, you well, know, well, yeah. well, maybe that's, at the that, very least. Yeah, the movie that's my take. tries to make you reckon with it. Now, yeah, you, that's worth something. You're absolutely right. Yep, Chelsea, I, I want to turn to you here for a second. I mean, like, w were you pretty satisfied uh, with? That's gonna sound. Were you satisfied with the bloodlust and the deaths? I mean, I mean, like, was there any? Were you like? Did you find it more? Did you find that to be more of a? I mean, you said you weren't really a fan of the gore, but like in terms of like the characters dropping, did that make it more interesting to watch, or did you find it more disappointing that like just so many names got like knocked off so quickly? Um, I 
call me the cynic here. Um, but I definitely think that that was the one note that James Gunn did get, which is kill anybody related to the last movie or as many of you as you can. So like we, we, I mean, we see Rick flag, he makes it till the end of the movie and then he, then he bites the dust. I mean, Harley's the moneymaker. She's, she's staying around, but you know, we kill Boomer. They brought him back just for kicks and grins at that point. But I, I think that that was, it was shock value. And I mean, you, you don't bring all these names into the roster. And I mean, like I said, the movie was $185 million. Maybe all those actors combined aren't quite going to, you know, command a, an, an inflating amount of money, but they weren't making it the whole way. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's sort of on the label, right? Whenever you said the cast list, I, I, I don't know. Pete Davidson. I knew he was dead immediately. Like the second I saw him on the poster, I'm like, oh, he's going to die in the first 10 minutes. I, I mean, yeah, I, I I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. I thought this joke was funnier in Deadpool 2, like four years ago. It's been done already. So the, like, the X-Force. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and same thing. Like as soon as you, that was cast list started coming out, you knew like, oh, well, they're going to pull some gag where a shitload of people are going to die, yes. right? Yeah. Like, so I, I totally agree that it's not really a shocking moment. I guess it's more shocking in like how it plays out. Right. That, that, that's that the shocking happens. part. Yeah. yeah. I got to be shocked by this, friends. I love that. Hey. I love and that here's for you. why. Because I didn't know anything about this movie going in. Like, I, <laughs> I just am having a hard time giving a shit. And I know who I am when I say this. But these superhero movies, I'm just having a hard time caring. I'm just having a hard time caring. I just and, can't stop following Warner Brothers right and now. This one, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I wish I could. God help me. But they and, give us HBO Max. We can't stop. I know. I know. No, it's, it's just it's a fa- it's just fascinating. Like wh- the business decisions going on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 There's yeah. yeah. Uh, but so I just I mean, I didn't I didn't once I started seeing all of these people I didn't necessarily expect them all you know to make it to the end I I had heard a, a little inkling that we were going to put the suicide back in Suicide Squad which again harkens back to that Ostrander stuff like I mean he he killed unexpected you knew there were some untouchable people just like harley's untouchable here you knew the captain boomerang the original captain boomerang kind of a big deal as a flash villain you knew he wasn't going to die you knew this but like dead shot mm, maybe i mean uh you know like there were there were things to be concerned about so i didn't expect them all to make it to the end but i wasn't expect cuz i just hadn't heard anything or thought about it very much before i hit play and so all of them getting wiped out at the beginning i was like I feel like I'm an average moviegoer again for the first time. And I can't tell you how long, like that worked on a bunch of people. Like I just guarantee it worked on a bunch mm-hmm. of people because it kind of worked on me. And see, that makes me happy. I don't know why. I don't know why it makes me happy. I know I just like spent way too long talking about why I don't like the well, because it didn't movie. work for you. And it didn't work for you for all of these just, completely yeah. legit reasons. It makes me so happy that it worked for some but if people. It worked though, for yeah. somebody, right? Cause yeah. obviously a lot, Whatever you want to say about the choices there, a lot of care and effort went into those choices, uh, which, again, going to like guns, MCU offerings is not a thing we can say about one minute <laughs> of either one of those movies. Nobody cared. You've got to just have Josh on to talk about. Guardians I have another podcast out of his system. Uh, he has so another one. I have two. He's, he's already done it. James already Gunn done it. just like lives rent free in your brain then. No, I really almost <laughs> never think about them. That's what's wild. <laughs> Joshua, you and I just are not going to agree on the Guardians movies because I just because they're bad I, and you refuse I, to accept this. I don't think they're bad. I don't think they're great. I just think they're fine. But I like things about them. Well, and Josh he, is clearly showing his age in that like he comes from a generation yes. where opinions were objectively good or bad and the Internet didn't really exist. yet. Right. We had uh, we, we had not invented nuance yet. Yes. In this country anyway. I don't have to put up with this. 
I got dozens of people dying to abuse me. I don't have to sit here. Anyway, so I want to I bring this back to overall the, the use of death. I, I was not shocked by the fact that so many people died. It was expected, but I will say, Dalton, the thing you pointed out, it was how it went down and when it went down. I expected it to be more like a trickle with some big thing happening roughly at the end of the first act. No, it's out the gate, man. And that sort of set the tone where I was like, all right, I'm on a ride. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, right on. you know, I'm on a ride and I'm not sure exactly where it's going. I'm expecting Harley Quinn to make it. I was actually expecting Rick Flagg to make it, you know, so. Um, but outside of that, I was like, I don't really know what to expect anymore. And it's a lot of fun. I only thought Flagg was going to make it because he was such a mainstay of the comic book. I know. Just that's showing why I thought... me being a sap. Just a sap. <laughs> gotcha. he's, he's the leader of the Suicide Squad. That's why, again, I just was like, well, yeah, he's he's going to make it. Right. Well, um, so, so, okay. The other thing I want, I want to move on here is uh, the quote unquote main threat is Starro the Conqueror. Uh, but okay, I, can I lead on this? Yes. I have a lot of feelings about this. Okay. 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 Let me, let me finish the question first. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm yes. sorry. Go ahead. Because uh, Starro the Conqueror is a character uh, that I find interesting. He's definitely not really the real villain of the piece, I would say. So Joshua, I'll start with you. And I think we all have uh, varying degrees of feelings here. How well do you think this movie handled the morally ambiguous nature of Star of the Conqueror along with some of uh, the other shades of gray we saw with the other characters like Peacemaker, uh, like Bloodsport, um, like Rick Flag? Side question, does Peter Capaldi's character have all that stuff sticking out of his head in the comics? The thinker? You're yeah. damn right. Awesome. It does make his brain good. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, so I just really appreciate that this movie used Starro the Conqueror. He is a giant mind-controlling starfish from space. He is the first villain that the Justice League got together to fight. That's fantastic. That's, that is fun. It, I didn't know that. That it's rules. It's beautiful. And, and I want to say, before I deal with the moral ambiguity of Starro, which was a fascinating... Addition, I was not expecting not that. Not expecting that. The fact that we sitting here could not imagine a world where... Warner Brothers let them make a Justice League movie where they fought Starro, but they'll let the Suicide Squad do it. The world is upside down. I want to actually be watching the superhero movies made with these budgets by these studios that lets the Justice League fight Starro. Let comic books be silly and weird. Yeah, yeah. let, let them Definitely. be for middle schoolers because that's about where they should be topping out. They don't anymore. And I have a lot of feelings about why comic books aren't going so great because of that, like as a business and creatively. But I mean, just the idea that we would never, never get to see uh, like Affleck and Cavill punch Starro. It's ridiculous. No one could imagine this, but we'll let the Suicide Squad do it. It's upside down. Turn it, turn it over. I want, I want it. That's the universe I want. Moral ambiguity. So speaking as the comic book guy, there has, um, with the exception of Starro Jr., don't ask, uh, there has uh, not really been a lot of moral ambiguity to Starro, mostly because he's completely not human. Like they usually treat him as this, um, like just capital O other. Like, because like I, I had to point out to my wife, he's not a hive mind, it's one mind. And it's not like an, a, an a, amalgamation of minds. It's one mind that's just spread out through all of these different pieces. He, it by its definition is just something completely other. So for in its dying moments, for us to get a suggestion that this tragedy actually affects Starro also was just, and, and, and some breadcrumbs had kind of been laid 
up till then um, with knowing that like the thinker had been torturing different bits of it. But again, that I don't want to say that didn't bother me because clearly that imagery was was. Oh, yeah. Some real. uh, I I sure do love Day of the Dead uh, visual references. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. I I like the look of those damn starfish, man. Like, I know they they look exactly like they do in the comic books. It's fantastic. (sighs) There is something. Yeah. Like both like very B-movie and yet like right. very expensive in how tactile they yes. look. It's, it's just such a weird combination. The, the amount of care that went into the design yeah. of how the, the little starfish the came out of the armpits with the little yeah. strings coming out. Of, yeah, it love was it. gross. I love it. It's so it's so good. And so I, I just really wasn't expecting any nuance for Starro mm-hmm. because there's never been any, you know, comic book wise for the most part. And because I don't really think nuance is the thing that I can expect from James Gunn in superhero movies. Uh, but we got an, an uh, just a shocking amount of it. So yeah, it was just a tremendous pull for me as like the superhero comic book fan. And then to go ahead and gut punch me with that pull, how goddamn dare you? I love High that five. you have uh, dodged trailers too, because they do in fact, like there's a, at least one trailer. There's one trailer that he appears in. I just in. didn't care. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just and glad. It to my I'm advantage. I'm so glad, yeah. I, I really wish I hadn't seen that trailer because that would have been very shocking to see Starro in the movie had I not seen him show up in the trailers. But I will say this, the, the real surprise though come really came from the way that you empathize with Starro. His dying moments is just like, I was so happy just floating and looking at the stars and you humans had to come take me and experiment on me. You know, I don't know. It was just the way they, they executed it, the way they planted the breadcrumbs, like you mentioned, Joshua. It all made you feel really sad that this giant, like, uh, kaiju was about to die well, it's for a, no reason. It's a twilight. It's like an old school Twilight Zone ending, right? Like, yeah. oh, oh, guess yeah. what? Man is the monster, you know, um, which, again, just did not expect with Starro or in this movie, and let alone with Starro in this movie. So, Dalton, I'm going to turn to you because there's the other layers of moral ambiguity that we're going to ah, talk about here, uh-huh. uh, which is this idea of the United States yeah, sending in yeah, huh. the supervillains uh-huh. into this other country to to clean up their mess. So mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, Caleb is throwing to me now because I think he knows that I'll say things like, I think the United States government is explicitly the villain of 2021's The Suicide Squad. Which oh, absolutely. Is, no, absolutely. I agree. God, yeah. the last 20 years of movies have been fucking weird, huh? Can you imagine a movie coming out in 2004 where no. the U.S. government is this, like, nefarious? This, this was actually one what? of my complaints for 2016's Suicide yeah. Squad is that I was like, why is Amanda Waller not clearly the antagonist the yes, entire thing. Now, right. there's lots of yeah. questions to be answered about that so, movie. As quickly as we can for anybody that just decided to jump into the spoilers, uh, we find out that Starro is a holdover from the Cold War. Uh, it's U.S.-backed research. It is completely unsurprising to anybody that knows anything about the last hundred years that the family <laughs> that was in charge of Cortel Maltese was backed by the U.S. government, despite Amanda Waller being like, hmm, they're just, you know, we don't really have a relationship with them. They're friendly to us. Uh-huh. They are friendly. Uh-huh. Uh, so it, it is, yeah, it just like explicitly becomes about that. Amanda Waller says, no, no, no. Peacemaker got the drives. You guys need to just get out of there. Like, you come home, please. And there is no like switcheroo. There is no uh, Amanda Waller one just was using reverse psychology to make them. No, she just doesn't care because she knows Superman will show up. It'll be fine. The Justice League will show up. <laughs> And save the It'll be their first monkeys. issue. Oh, wait, no, we already yeah. had that. Uh, the thing that I think is weird, and I, so private military contractors in South America uh, are more and more becoming a thing, especially if you've been you know, keeping up on recent events. 
Uh, the thing that I don't, I, I don't know how like widespread people are talking about is like how many of those private military contractors were trained by uh, tier one U.S. operators. <laughs> like th- there's just an entire economic structure going on. Right? I, I can, I guess, just like read a synopsis of the Metal Gear Solid games <laughs> if, if this is like really cooking your noodle. Yes, but yeah. It's just weird that this is like how much this movie mirrors real life while, of course, still being like fantastical and silly and all that. But uh, this is this is just a reality of our world. Right. Is regime change is going to more and more become a privatized endeavor. It's not something you want people wearing your insignias doing. It's people you want to have plausible deniability doing because then you can just have a B team to kill your A team. And then it's totally unclear who did what. Uh, so I don't know. Read more about Haiti. Uh, if this is like really getting your gears grinding, but yeah, you're, you're right, Caleb. Like I couldn't, this is like the thing about the movie is just like, I couldn't stop thinking about, which, you know, both diminished and increased, like my appreciation for what gun was doing as far as mm-hmm. trying to have his cake mm-hmm. and eat it too on the violence. Right. Is having this moment where peacemaker and Randall fly. Is it Randall? Rick Flag. Rick, Randall Flagg's the guy from the Dark Tower, right? Is that what I'm thinking of? <laughs> Rick Flagg, and they have this fight, right? And Rick Flagg is, you know, saying the things that we want everybody to say is, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. I didn't agree to be your your hitman. I, I just wanted to help people. Uh, and to see, you know, the blunt instrument, as you said, the guy who said, no, that they said what the rules are, and I follow the rules. Uh, you know, there are countries that don't have this. You know, is it legal in Germany for a member of the German armed forces to say, that's not a lawful order. I think it's bad. I'm not going to do it. Uh, to be fair, we have that as well. But again, it has to be like something you can point to as unlawful. It can't just be something that you, as a human being, say, that is unethical. It's, that's not, a, you get court-martialed for that in this country. Uh I don't know. It's weird. I, I don't really have anything more salient or, you know, concrete to say. So, so, uh, so are we I'm calling trailing off Suicide Squad Blackwater? I mean, right. That's sort of what their job <laughs> is, though, isn't it? The kind of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Blackwater, but free. Like you don't even have to pay them. <laughs> nope. And in fact, if they die, then we're paying less for them. And pr- oh wait, well, and we're it, undermining for-profit prisons. What a shock. <laughs> well, okay. So I mean, this is the, the thing that I I kept coming back to with the movie. Because ultimately, I, I think it's a very, uh, i got to be careful with the term pro-life, but like it's a movie that is actually sort of trying to elevate, you know, every life matters. And guess what? The big bad of the story says, eh, life doesn't matter. Lots of people are going to die. We don't care. It covers up our us getting our hands dirty, you know. And the people who are carrying out their work are people who are basically dead anyway. Yeah. So and they've done terrible things. So their life's meaningless. Right. That's that's sort of the villain of the piece is saying that life doesn't matter versus what I think James Gunn's trying to get at again with the the rat catcher character that I, again, was very pleasantly surprised to be so moved by is that, you know, every life matters. And and whenever lives come together, they can kind of overcome the atrocities that have have occurred. Uh, in a really moving way. And then Taika Waititi showed up and I didn't know he was going to be in this movie. And I cried. And I I didn't. That was one thing about the movie. I didn't know he was going to be in the movie for like two seconds. And then I teared up a little bit. And I was like, see, this movie's got a heart. So I don't know. That's my read on it. Chelsea, moral ambiguity in this movie. Blackwater, what say you? I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of um, any kind of movie, especially like these like big budget, like tent poles, like trying to have a weird, like subversive message. Like I, I'd like to read a little bit of my politics and my pop culture. Um, so, I mean, I was a big fan. You know, I loved it. Um, I, I think that I, 
I mean, probably I'm going to be a little too serious here at this point, but I think that it is kind of the job of these sorts of movies that can capture the attention of the crowds to to come in and say, like, these are the things that are happening. Like, it, it may, it doesn't, we don't have to hit you over the head with it, but, like, being able to make a point in an entertainment structure to make somebody, like, we, we yeah. cin- cinema is instructive. Yes. So being able to take a, a superhero film and, and say, like, Every life matters, and just—I mean, just a reminder: like, no country is innocent. I mean, I mean, that was a line um, that was, uh, oh goodness, it was—it was Bloodsport to Peacemaker, and he was like, "I—I I think liberty is just your excuse to kill people." Mm-hmm. And I mean, how much, how 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 much of that line is so true of the last eight months, five hundred years? Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. Like, well, and Bloodsport's the person to say it, right? This is uh, a yeah. black person living in the twenty-first century, like. Countries are built on bones. Like, if this movie had come out in the Trump administration, it would have been tanked on every form of right-wing media. Oh, I'm sure. They would have been able to shut up about it. It would have been eviscerated. Well, and I guess that's the problem, uh, as I see it, is, like, structured media is not going to talk about this movie's kind of, like, uh, pretty anti-imperialist, like, underpinnings, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The the only people that ever say that are people who, like, think that that's a bad thing to put in a movie. Right. Right. Which is frustrating that it's not, like, a thing that's underlined and bold when people are talking. Because you're right, like, sure, a weird A24 movie can say something about how uh, capitalism is a great beast that'll kill us all, but when a movie that costs $200 million to make does it, it makes... (laughs) Wait, what? Well, and just thinking about... I mean, Chelsea, I think to your point, like, uh, it is one of the things... Theoretically, at, at its best, blockbuster cinema or the superhero genre can do is incorporate really meaningful sure ideas have, in a yeah. way that your average person can really relate to or connect with. Like, yeah, I don't actually want to watch the terrible news about how we're sending all these private contractors in certain countries to do the dirty work. But you know what? I'll watch a movie about it because it's entertaining. Oh, wait, this movie oh, there's some dots I'm connecting here in a way that's also enjoyable and just really more palatable for like the mainstream. So I, I think that's a great point. Um, this movie does that really, really well. Arguably better than pretty much any MCU movies ever done. No MCU movies even trying. I mean, the closest you get is Baron Zemo in, in like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier from this year saying like superheroism is a supremacist ideology, period. And like that's about as close as you get. And that show like still has to go out of its way to say, well, actually organizing independently of the state is bad uh, because you can't do it without blowing up a cop car. And so you shouldn't do any organizing outside of national structures because we have to have nations tell us what to do, uh, which, again, like it, it says something like really profound that like if Alan Moore has straight up said the exact same thing. People who wrote superheroes for decades like have the same sort of weird opinions about where this genre has gone and sort of the ideologies that it sort of ends up masking a lot of the time. And for a movie to do that is bizarre. And for, yeah, like you said, the MCU will do it. And and I'm so glad you, you mentioned it too, Chelsea, because there's a lot of MCU movies that like come super close to taking a pretty big swing. Very close. But again, like the, the one that takes the biggest, clear swing is a eight hour TV show and still like has to kind of backpedal by the end of it. I want to uh, speak to the instructiveness because I think that you're absolutely onto something there, Chelsea, because um, in as much as we're sort of having very mixed, nuanced adult feelings about that, that kill competition and mm-hmm. then the reveal that those are the freedom fighters. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm a brag on my kid for a minute. He got it. 
Like, I mean, he's not unaware of the world. You, you know, he lives in a very leftist household. He, you know, he hears the stuff, but he's not like, like thinking about it all the time. And he got to the end of that scene and realized that they had killed the freedom fighters. And I mean, he really had this. He actually, I don't know if he said just like America, <laughs> but if he didn't, he said something really close to it, like sitting right next to me on the couch. And yeah. I was like, that's it. This is, this is why the near big swings that fall sh so short, like in the MCU frustrate me so much yeah. because yeah. you are teaching the wrong shit with these movies and you're teaching the wrong shit that superheroes should be teaching, you know? Um, because again, while, while, uh, while you can't argue with Zemo that like to a certain extent, superheroism is, is a supremacy, but it's also a power fantasy where we use all of our power for helping other people. Right. Like, I mean, we're supposed to, that's the, well, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the, you know, here are these extremely powerful people that could do whatever they want. And what they decide to do is help people who can't do anything for them. Um, and so to get so close and then fall short is worse. It's worse than not trying at all to me very specifically because there's this sort of incidental, I don't want to say incidental because I mean, pop culture is still culture and culture teaches, but mm -hmm. I mean, they're not, uh, they're not didactic. They're not pedantic. They're not there to teach you a thing. It's a thing you pick up along the way of enjoying the story right. and, and missing that even by a little when you, when you, when you know it, when you mm -hmm. know it and the MCU knows it, you know, but this went for it. It was just, I was very, I was just really impressed with, mm -hmm. with the, I was shockingly impressed with the politics of the suicide squad. Uh, this conversation is going to make me invoke somebody who's, I don't know. Politics probably don't align with this conversation, but it's the thing that I do kind of like about Zack Snyder's take on superheroism is like, even if he and I are going to come to very different conclusions about it, he, th there is something in his like consumption of these properties and his watching of, you know, the MCU's cultural dominance that makes him go, I don't know about that, y'all. That seems suspect at best. Uh, and again, like his, his conclusions, I don't know that I'm, I'm sure about, right? Like it, it very much coming from a, uh, it's great to have power and you should want power play sometimes. But again, like he's, you know, to be fair, I've only seen like half of his Justice League, but I've <laughs> watched the rest of his oeuvre and like he definitely is trying to reckon with the, what's the best way to put this, the cognitive dissonance taking place in like most American media and like kudos for him for like trying, even if he's, you know, I, I don't know that his conclusions are always quite correct. Well, the core trilogy I mean, you, you, people can argue in it, like all day whether or not Zack Snyder has honored the characters, but he has made a point with all three of the movies of, you know, the the first movie is we have this character who's who's all powerful and we're we're like, is he going to help us? So it kind of applies to like kind of what you're mm -hmm. talking about. But then Batman v Superman was kind of ahead of its time in the whole addressing the xenophobia of it all, and then we've moved into Justice League, which is now he is a pinnacle of you know, morals and things like that. So it, it kind of has, Zack Snyder has in a way honored, I don't want to say honored, but he's taken the ideals of Superman as like the big blue boy scout mm -hmm. and in these things. And it's there. It's just, we had to work our way to it, which is why Warner Brothers needs to give him the other two movies so we can have real Superman. <laughs> well, like we're he, working our way to he's it. He's got a point of view, right? Like he cares about what he's saying to the extent that like he's trying right. to be consistent. Right. Right. right? And, and he well, understands that like a, a big blue superhero, like exists in a world where morality is gray. And mm -hmm. like with, you know, with BVS, like doing something that movies needed to do, 
for a while. Uh, like 2012 was a weird year for movies blowing up buildings, and like BVS takes seriously the collateral damage taking place in in Man of Steel, which is you know mm-hmm. one of the movies in 2012 that you know a lot of people were just sort of talking about this trend of mass death in summer movies. And yeah, that the sequence where Ben Affleck is like eye stabbing Superman is. I don't know. That works for me. It's a, no, it's a great it, opening. It I, I really works. liked the opening sequence of that movie a yeah, lot. Yeah, dude. I would, that's, uh, that's a way to open a movie for sure. So I would, I would say, I would, uh, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I definitely Dalton um, tend to agree with what Chelsea's putting down here, which is that he has a point of view, like you say. Yeah. He has things he's trying to articulate. I, I would argue he's not very good, and I also would argue he's his own cop version of cognitive dissonance sort of gets in his way a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but a little bit, little, little bit. Um, I, let's just say he and I have very different interpretations on the nature of the Christ, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah, mm-hmm. or Superman, or heroism. And anyway, that's a d- different story. But I, what I will say that I really admire, especially, and we talked about this a lot on the Zack Snyder's Justice League review we did earlier this year. I don't always, I, I mostly don't agree with the the creative decisions he makes or his interpretation of what makes those characters tick. But what I will say is, he clearly had a a very specific vision and thing he was trying to do with his movies that I find way more interesting yeah. uh, exploration of superheroes than what we've gotten in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it, does that mean it's a better movie? Uh, that's up for, that's definitely up for debate. But I, I think right, right now where it just feels like, like we've referenced a couple times, like the, it's diminishing returns, less and less interested with each one that comes out because they just feel more and more the same. What Suicide Squad does, and I think what Zack Snyder was trying to do, really put some ideas out there that felt, feel unique, fresh, but also like they're about something meaningful that we can take away and sort of stew on versus uh, Black Widow, which just came out a month ago. and I literally could not care less to even think about that movie again. I mean, right? these, these kinds of movies are at their best when they do what the suicide squad does, which is understand that they don't exist in a vacuum. Right. Right. Like mm-hmm. they, they exist as part of a weird pop culture monolith that we're just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop on because it did for Westerns and inevitably it will for superheroes. Uh, it's just a matter of what that looks like. Right. Only 60 more years to go. If the Western is any indication, I guess I could live with that. <laughs> You know, because we'll probably stop making movies in the next 20 years. We'll That's have to fair. do plays again. Um, oh, God, that means there'll be an excuse to do a revival of Spider-Man. Bring on the dark. We get to cast another <laughs> Peter Parker. Yet another Spider-Man. Yet another Spider-Man. <laughs> Here's me in the back. Is this one going to be Miles? You jerks. <laughs> and the answer will be no. It's just never weird how many Broadway performers they let, like, have serious injuries before they decide <laughs> the show is a bad idea. So this this uh, conversation we went way more in depth. So I think we're we're about out of time. I want to end on this question though, because I think it really relates to what we just talked about. Here's another reason that I think the Suicide Squad works so well because James Gunn just made the movie he wanted to make, mm. and he had things he wanted to say. And, and sure, technically it might be canon, I guess, because it's got some of the same actors in it. But I don't think he has any interest in setting up for the next movie. Or, oh, 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 Caleb. I'm sorry. I am sorry to interrupt you as you're wrapping up, but that's a huge deal. I really want to point that out. And I don't have a big point to make about it. But one of the most exciting things about the Suicide Squad to me was it's only about itself. Right. It's only about itself. It's not about the next thing or the next five things. It's just this. There are four corners and we're in it and there's a beginning, middle and end. And we we don't know if we're going to get another one unless we bring in like outside knowledge of how the movie business works. 
my son asked me about an after credit scene and I was like, I don't give a good goddamn if there is. We're turning it off right now. Like, I'm just not, I don't want to live in that space after this movie. Well, and technically they do set up for the Peacemaker HBO Max series. But here's the thing. I really think you could take it or leave it. Like if you yeah. never thought about mm-hmm. that, yeah. the movie would work just as well. Whereas, you, you know, with a lot of other superhero films, and it's not even just Marvel films anymore. You just walk away feeling like it was incomplete. This, it could, yeah, it's about, it, it was about this stuff, but it's equally about the next thing. Like easily any MCU movie, especially of phase, midway through phase two and on at least, it's always 50% about the thing we're doing and 50% about the next thing that we're going to do. And that's no good. That's bad storytelling. You're never going to like land your story as strongly as you want to be. And this is coming from a person who lived on these month to month, like these stories month to month on the spinner rack, basically my entire childhood, um, knowing that it's serialized, that there's always going to be another issue. But within that knowledge, there were still beginning middles and ends. And we never actually get those. The Suicide Squad had a beginning, middle, and end. It was only about itself. It's maybe one of the things that elevates it the most for me above other superhero fare right now. Yeah, completely agree. I'm on board with you. So question for the table. Would we rather see DC just keep doing one shots? Because so far it seems to be, I'm more interested. I mean, even even Birds of Prey, which is technically sort of a follow-up to the Suicide Squad, still feels more contained uh, than the others. Would you rather see more of that or do we, or do you prefer them or, or does it bother you that, Oh, I, I'm not going to see the next adventures or I'm not going to find out what happens to Harley Quinn next. I mean, serious question, because I would argue as a person with, especially relative to Joshua, very um, casual comic book fandom. The thing that's always struck me about DC is the one shot stories are really, really strong. Um, so I think maybe they should, Warner brothers should just double down on that model Stop trying to make it all make sense together. Just focus on making great one-off movies. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, lore expansions go, I'm much more excited about, you know, Sisterhood of Dune uh, than a Peacemaker, right? And, you know, that's because I'm excited about Dune. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, I, I think that that works for Warner Brothers. I think it's it's been a ton of fun. And, you know, I've not seen all these movies. I've seen Aquaman or Shazam. Um I think I've seen the rest. It's not important though. Like it's fun to be able to say, Oh yeah, I haven't seen like the last four DC movies, but this, this seems cool. And I, I you know, that seems to be working for them. Uh, keep at it. I, I like that it confused. Oh, I haven't seen Joker either. Uh, and probably never will. Uh, High it's, five. it's more of a Todd Phillips thing than a Joker thing, but I, you know, I, I can do both. <laughs> I, th- I think it's interesting to, to do that. Right. To just go, all right, fuck it. Do whatever weird movie you want to make. Uh, and we will figure out on our end how it fits into the canon. That's not really your problem. I, I think it's fun. You mentioned the Joker. You mean the one that made over a billion dollars? The rated R <laughs> it made over a billion dollars. That, that, yes, it made over a billion dollars and was on a budget of like twenty to thirty million. God, twenty nineteen was weird. We had no priorities, clearly, <laughs> but it outgrossed pretty much every other DCEU movie. Chelsea and I know you're a big fan. We we talked about this at length on. Hey, is there a way for Zack Snyder to complete his story? But I want to I want to ask the question: Would you rather see completed Zack Snyder story, or would you rather just see more like strong one offs? I, I think it might be kind of a, a mix if I can if I can cheat. Um, I I think when Warner Brothers commits to a vision, they execute it. They land it. Like this was Suicide Squad. Like they said, this is this is the the boundaries. Land it, and this is it. They did this with Christopher Nolan. They said you have three movies, and he had his storytelling time. He told a story, and you had the boundaries of the trilogy. 
if if Warner Brothers can just co- like commit to a vision of whether that's the one movie, whether it's, whether it's the trilogy, or it, whether one day they bring in the Kevin Feige that's going to master the DC universe, then then commit to it. it there's is a commitment issue. It's not a a, a lack of whatever. I don't, I don't even no, know how to complete that It's an thought. exceptional point, though, right? Like, the, I, I promise I'm not just looking for excuses to talk about Dune, but, like, <laughs> that probably would have been shooter, uh, shooter cheaper to shoot both of those movies, right? As opposed to go, well, we'll just tell D- Denis Villeneuve this gets a big paycheck, he can make a second one. That way he just adapts the first half of the book and makes it a cool movie. Like, just... Get, just get everybody locked in. Like, yeah. it's cheaper. Like, you know there's no way they're going to let you make more of those, so just let them adapt the whole book. Uh, I, yeah, it's weird that they... Uh, the Space Jam thing, I know we very briefly talked about that earlier, but it, it seems like endemic of the same thing because there have been dozens of false starts on a Space Jam sequel, and it's just... The know. original script, actually, for Space Jam 2 was meant to satirize Hollywood, uh, and I actually think that could have been pretty compelling as a Space Jam 2. Uh, there was apparently at one point it was going to start Tony Hawk. I mean, there's again, there are dozens of like permutations of like what Space Jam 2 is going to be. But again, yeah, Warner Brothers, it's just, I don't know. It's a, they, they can't commit. It's a bizarre company. Well, because here's the thing, because you're right, because they, they commit to something. We saw it with Christopher Nolan. I mean, we saw it with this James Gunn movie. And I, if I recall, it's been several years, I seem to remember the executives thinking Batman versus Superman turned out great until it played in theaters and the reviews tanked and then the box office after the first weekend also tanked. Well, it was the same, but it was the same thing with Suicide Squad. Yes. They, they screened airs cut or whatever, what, whatever version was like they were able to screen six months, a year out beforehand and it tested great. And then BVS tanked. Right. And the studio came in and said, we're cutting, we're, we're taking over editing basically. So Warner Brothers is just shooting themselves in the foot. I think there's like four credited editors on that movie. Oh, right? yeah. And there are a ton. Yeah. It's bad. Weird. Uh, and I think the last one was a music video editor, surprising no one. I'm, yeah. Okay, that's but who that, cuts that, trailers. The though, soundtrack right? on that movie is it. Like, like, that's the only thing about Suicide Squad that works is the stinking soundtrack. That's why Shrek's <laughs> the most influential movie of the last two decades. Sorry? Yeah, I, I'm banging this drum, and I'll, I think Matt Singer's on this kick, too. You don't know about this? So, like, every Shrek is oh, yes. kind of the pivot to, yes. like, these weird, like, pop Shrek Gage. Yeah, I read about Shrek Gage. You know about Shrek Gage? Yes. Yeah. Uh, every movie since Shrek is, like, basically, like, from a beat structure, like, just beholden to its its uh, soundtrack, which is, you know, propelled by pop music. Uh, this pivot away from, like, the Scorsese model of if you're using a pop song it's to say something the scene isn't already saying and this pivot to no everything's a music video you can just have the the music cut just explain what's happening on screen right now uh amanda waller's the devil and now we'll be listening to the rolling studs for a little bit (laughs) (laughs) joshua i think i'd really like to see the one-off situation that that then you get somebody who has to bring them all together Right. Um, this is a little bit the comic book approach. Sure. Um, you go to Gotham. Uh, the sun is never up. Uh, you, you know, Batman is terrifying. Um, and then you go to Metropolis and the sun is always up and Superman is friendly and everybody loves when they point to him. And we have to make these two guys work on a team. Incidentally, we also have to make those guys work on a team with the flash who is the favorite son of his city, which is like a whole different flavor than Superman. You know, you also have to make that work with uh, the King of Atlantis and the, uh, the princess of, of uh, Themyscira, all of their individual things 
look like they cannot possibly go together. And then you get somebody who brings them together and makes that work for like one movie. And then they go home back to their own. And I'm not even married. I, I could live without the, the, the bring them all together, honestly, but I'd really rather just see them have some like stylistic and thematic choices that are specific to that character and are not beholden to some larger universe uh, or house style mm-hmm. or, ha- or a house style. Yeah. Um, I mean, like a, like for instance, I mean, we have a Shang-Chi master of Kung Fu movie coming out from the MCU and it looks like every other fucking MCU movie. Like it just does. Why does it not look like a Shaw brothers movie through the lens of 2021? It's ridiculous. It's yeah. shameful. Yeah. Right. It's frustrating. It's super I, frustrating. I don't, I don't understand. Why would you, I've said the same thing when, when Iron Fist came out before I discovered Iron Fist have all, has all of its own problems, but just like, why don't you do something with some fucking style? You know, like this noir thing works for Daredevil. It works for Jessica Jones. It does not work for Iron Fist at all. It only kind of works for Luke Cage because he's a black exploitation, you know, private detective kind of guy. Like have a point of view, have an angle and go as hard as you can for it. Um, the stuff that I have enjoyed in this area the most lately is that kind of thing like Suicide Squad or like WandaVision that just shows up with it. I've got this viewpoint. I have these this story that I want to tell. Yes, it may or may not. I'm using characters that are appearing in other things, but they're here for this, you know, and just just get directors that want to have that vision, get it done. I don't even care at this point about getting the characters right because it's been a hundred years with most of DC's characters. There is no right. I can make arguments for writer and wronger, but I can't make arguments for right. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Just because there's no there's no version of any character that will please everybody. No. No, it's not possible. Absolutely not. Well, guys, we have been talking about this film for two hours, so I think it's about time to put a pen in it. I really appreciate uh, each and every one of you taking time out of your evening to talk about uh, 2021's The Suicide Squad. Uh, So as we close out, I'm going to give each of you a chance to tell us about where folks can keep up with you and your work. So Dalton Stewart, tell us, where can people keep up with you and your work at? I can't imagine why anybody would want to do that. Uh, But if you do, um, don't follow me on Twitter. Uh, Stay off of social media. In fact, that's self-care. But if you want to find shows that I'm on, uh, you can go to at Good Trash Media on Twitter. Uh, there's the links for everything we're making. Uh, our flagship show, The Good Trash Genre Cast, we just got back from a hiatus. It's been very fun getting uh, to hang out with my friends again, honestly. Uh, but also, you know, spending way too much time together because we're trying to get a backlog again. So uh, Good Trash Genre Cast uh, on, on the platforms or whatever. Uh, Good Trash Media on Twitter. Uh, we just got done talking about the 90s film Sneakers with Robert Redford and Sidney Poitier and wow. the aforementioned Safe Room. Uh, so I've been thinking about uh, uh, military and intelligence as depicted uh, in film a lot lately, and I was not expecting Suicide Squad to continue that for me. So I don't know. If you want to hear me put my tinfoil hat back on uh, and try to presuppose a world where you would teach Denzel Washington safe house in a college class, you can go listen to the Good Trash Genre cast. Uh while you're over at Good Trash Media on Twitter, uh, check out some of the other shows uh, from friends of ours, uh, like The Wheel of Randy with Dan Wade. If you like Randy Newman, you know, this is the show for you. That's, so that's all I have to say about that. Uh, or check out The Praise Down with Heath and Alex. Uh, if you are interested in the the weird and wild world of Christian popular media uh, and sort of looking at it from both a you know theological and spiritual perspective and just a pop culture perspective, it's a fun show. Uh, they're in the middle of... Uh, enjoying a pure flicks account subscription right now 
uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Christian Sons of Anarchy is like better than it has any right to be. I watched an episode of it with <laughs> for the show with him. I it, bafflingly good. What is the title of the Sons Christian of Sons of Thunder? Oh, sure it is. Sons yeah, of, yeah, okay. that, that yeah. sounds that sounds right. Uh, it's got uh, the, the late great Patrick Swayze's younger brother uh, as uh, the, the bad biker that the protagonist left. Is it's it's a whole thing. Anyway, that's I the, hate that you're convincing me. I know, right? It's <laughs> I I kind of want to watch it. It's so now. less fashy than you think it's gonna be. I was not prepared. <laughs> I was truly not prepared. Anyway, uh, that's the praise down with Heath and Alex. If you that that sort of tickles your gourd. Uh, that's it. All right. Chelsea Radman, where can people keep up with you and your work online? Um, yeah, so you can visit my blog at geekgirlfeatures.com, or um, if you want to torture yourself, you can follow me on Twitter at CinephileChels. Um, right now we're a little, you know, it's a little, it's quite a variety right now. So check it out if you really want to Movies, visit. Movies are back, fun movie takes, frequently. Movies, politics, what I'm thinking about while I'm walking into my house, who knows? Stream of consciousness on that Twitter. It's a fun time. I enjoy the follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua Unruh, where can people keep up with you and your work online? So I'm actually uh, slowly but surely paring down the ridiculous volume of podcasts that I was on. I'm um, so proud of you. I, 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 in fact, I need to take a few notes from you. It's kicking a habit, man. Uh, Caleb and I can be heard bi-weekly on an animated discussion where we're working our way through uh, the DC animated universe. You know, the good DC universe um, that existed in the 90s and early 2000s we are nearing our 100th episode and just about to finish batman of all things finally did amazing it. amazing um so yeah uh, other podcasts that i have been on and don't maintain quite as much anymore like if you really want to hear me tell you how bad guardians one and two are you can do that on my mcu podcast which is on Probably permanent hiatus, but it's a listen up a holes where I join. Yes. Named for a line from Guardians. Too. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's what happens when you let your kid who was not 14 when we were naming this name your podcast. Um, but I have a uh, a story expert and New York Times bestselling author who joins me on that show. And we just worked our way through the through the MCU up to semi recently. We've given up like it's just it's tiring, but it was fun there for a long time. You guys got through most of it, including the Netflix shows. We did not get through all of the Netflix shows because I was tired after all the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. My God. God, you guys did. Yeah, no wonder you don't still do the show. Lonnie, Lonnie loves Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. My, uh, my co-host Lonnie Diane Rich loves Agents of I S.H.I.E.L.D. I hung in for a minute. Yeah, I get uh, it. It gets pretty okay. Okay. Well, and I chose those words. We'll go with that. Yeah. Well, at yeah. times. <laughs> at times, it's okay. Um, I but, might have had Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, if I weren't watching them in like six episode blocks just powering through yeah, I could see where you would uh, you would wind up in that place. Whereas I just loathed my very existence. Yeah, my uh, early twenties were a dark time. What are you gonna do? That's true. Still, still a dark time. If if I sound like someone uh, erudite enough that you might want to read things that I've written, I have written many, well, a handful anyway, <laughs> of novels and short stories and novellas. No superhero stuff yet. Um, much to my shock and chagrin, but I'm working on it. Uh, but you can find all of my podcasts at pulpdiction.biz. That's diction with a D B dot B I Z. And, uh, you can find all my writing at joshuaunruh.com, J O S H U A U N R U H.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'd like to think that I'm as entertaining as Chelsea, but maybe about two thirds, 50%. Uh, I, I 51, 51. All right. 
Yeah. I'm over the line. There you go. <laughs> Who am I to judge? Let's be real, though. Come on. Of course, you can follow me on also on Twitter at C Masters Talk. That's letter C Masters Talk. And much to Dalton's point, I've been trying to cut back on social media for self-care. You can also find more of my work over at thecinematropolis.com. I am also moving into a new home. Very exciting. But that means no more podcasts for me until September. Uh, stay tuned there. You can find that at thecinematropolis.com or by subscribing to the Cinematic Schematic on your preferred podcast app. Uh, and again, four more thoughtful conversations that excite, inspire, and connect filmmakers and film enthusiasts, especially here in the Oklahoma City area. Subscribe to the podcast via your preferred podcast app. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. We're probably there. We're even on Amazon. Jeff Bezos is not sending me those checks, Dalton. I'm, I feel left out. Well, you know, I'm not on Spotify yet, but for some reason we're already on Amazon. Uh, I don't really know how that worked out. Uh, I don't. I don't ask very many questions about the production side of things because I don't. I don't think I want to know how the sausage is made. And there's probably some collateral damage that I'm not hearing about. I'm. I'm taking the part. You're cut of the check. Sorry. Dustin, oh, you're getting my Bezos checks. Dustin told me not to tell you. Ah oh, man. So sorry. That's fine. That's fine. He's probably taken out of my end because he knows how long I've been stealing from him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll catch you again next time. <laughs>